All right, good morning, good birds. Hopefully you can hear me. It is 9.02 on this Sunday morning, November 26th. It's the end of November, and you are listening or watching to the National Church and Academy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am your teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart, Marty Leeds. Thank you all for being here this morning. Thank you so much. We always appreciate seeing the good birds this early. Uh, we, we do service every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, and you can get this service on Rockfin, Rumble, and YouTube. We go live on those three platforms. And so, yeah, and today we've got a good one for you. We're going to do the uh, rites of passage. We're going to talk about rites of passage and the Masonic ritual of Hiram Abiff. This is something that we've touched on before, but um, I'll talk about this as we get going. But there was recently a video that was sent, that was uh, put out by this undercover kid, and it's gone viral and stuff like that. So we're going to, we're going to, walk through it piece by piece, step by step as we do, and explain exactly what's going on in the ritual. So, but before we do that, let's do a prayer. Lord God, this is actually a Masonic prayer too. Lord God, great architect of the universe, who has so inspired the ancient members of our craft that in the bond of brotherhood they meet, they met each other's needs, and first of all, men came together in the hidden mysteries handed down to us, given us, we beseech thee, grateful hearts, that in joyful service we may bring relief to the unfortunate and in perfect loyalty, both preserve our trust and leave behind us an increased inheritance. Lord, we bless thy holy name and thank thee for all thy gifts, especially the gift of friendship. Amen. Okay, so as I said, today we're going to talk about the rites of passage. So we're going to talk about what a rites of passage is, how we, they've been essentially completely ripped out of our society, and I find this to be one of the main reasons that we don't have uh, men in our society. And we'll talk about the importance of rites of passage, where it's seen all over the world, and then we're going to talk about the fact that, Masa that masonry, modern masonry, is a, is a rites of passage uh, for um, men into the spiritual, you know, into the mysteries, into a spiritual life. And we'll talk all about that. So this was uh, prompted by, I was actually putting together two other live streams. And then yesterday I scrapped all of them and literally just spent all day doing this because there were several people that had, had um, sent me this video and it's Kyle is undercover is his name. And he looks like a young Republican kind of kid or whatever. And he thought he was going to go into, <laughs> he thought he was going to go into the Masonic Hall and he's really exposing masonry and stuff like that. And he, he did nothing of the sort. This kid exposed literally nothing. Um, and we'll talk about that today. So uh, I have all the rights to use this video. It even says there, I give up all the rights to this video. It can be clipped, edited, reshared, or reproduced. I only ask credit for your work. So we're going to credit uh, Mr. Kyle's undercover for his awful research and <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Kyle, but your awful research and your awful undercover work at the end of the day. Um, and I'll, I'll explain why I'm saying that. So um, so first thing we're going to talk about is rites of passage and how rites of passages have essentially been, uh, these ceremonies have essentially been completely sucked out, completely taken out of our society. And as I said, I think I, I actually credit this to be one of the main reasons that we have children raising children, as they say these days, that we don't have the men that we had in the past. And I literally attribute it to one of the things being a rites of passage. So we're going to talk about what a rites of passage is, and then we'll go into the, the you know, the Masonic rites of passage and their, you know, what they, you know, their rituals and their symbols. And we'll, we're going to watch all four parts of this thing that was put on Instagram, and we're going to deconstruct the whole ritual so of, of masonry, Hiram Abiff. Um, Rites of passage. What the heck is it? It's a ceremony, a ceremony or event marking an important stage in someone's life, especially birth, puberty, marriage, and death. So there's these, you know, places in life that you really need to mark and say, "Hey, you're no longer what you were before. Now you have a new station. Now you have a uh, a new, uh, you know, a new role, a new responsibility in this life." And that, then, and that, you know, we, we find this in all sorts. Just like it's saying, puberty, you see one. Marriage, you see one. Death, you're, you know, transitioning to the other side. Rites of passage or ceremonies that mark, you know, um, are usually 
involved ritual activities. And so there's always a ritual, a drama, some sort of theatrics. You know, of course, when you get married, just think about the, all the, the ceremony and, and rituals and things like that that come with marriage, right? And these teachings are designed to strip individuals of their original roles and prepare them for new roles. And most of us never underwent any of this sort of stuff. We just like, oh, you just went through puberty and then you started noticing women's breasts and then you drank too much and then you spent, you know, 10 years, <laughs> 10 years at bars and, and no one ever said, hey, now you have to leave all of that old childish shit behind and now you have to be a man. Now you have to take responsibility for yourself. Now you have to lead your nation, your people, okay? So, um, rites of passage, baptisms, graduations, proms are all examples of modern rites of passage. These ceremonies have one trait in common. They provide a social frame to ease an individual into a new stage without creating uneasiness or disruption. In a nutshell, they provide a way to make an official important change. Okay, and that's exactly what a rites of passage is. So th these initiation rites are, are seen as, and this actually comes straight, straight from Wikipedia, but it's absolutely true. Initiation rites are seen as fundamental to human growth and development. Okay, and they're talking about African societies, right? And these rites function by richly marking the transition of someone to a full group membership. In, order to, in, in other words, like you, there's, there's a certain sort of like you have to earn your keep. You have to prove yourself that you're worthy to hang out with these men because men don't want to hang out with ch children, right? They, we, as, as I've said, these, these church services are not for children. Why? Because as I've said, uh, adults need to talk about adult things. Ch children need child things, childlike things, right? These sermons are meat. They're not milk, okay? And this is exactly what I'm talking about because in order for you to understand the stuff that we talk about here, the complexity of the math, the etymology, the you know comparative mythology, the psychology, the philosophy, all those E's, right? In order to understand that stuff, you have to have already transitioned and actually, you know, in this sort of sense, left your childlike state behind. So people over the years have, have been like, well, you need to not curse and you need to do this and you need to do that and I've always shunned it. Why? This is why. Because this is not for children. This is for adults, specifically, okay? And um, the uh, rites of passage is the kind of thing that would initiate you into, into being able to even listen to something like this. Sorry, we got a crazy windy day. You can hear our shed is <laughs> falling apart. Anyway, rites of passage. Can you go see what that is? Sorry. Um, so rites of passage all around the world you find this, right? This is not just something in like marriage or Boy Scouts or whatever, right? You find rites of passage all over the world. And this is just a little graph that shows you like literally, you know, you go all the way to Australia, indo and China, Brazil, you know, where, wherever you go, you'll find tribes, civilizations, cultures, that sort of thing that specifically talk about the fact that, yeah, this is, a, you know, this is an important stage in a person's life. Okay. And like I said, we don't have this anymore. It's essentially we don't have it anymore, or people mainly shun it. Oh, my Lord. Sorry, we have lots of things going on this morning. There you go, Ginger. Come on. Oh, okay. <laughs> Soon we'll have a home. According, so the first thing we're going to talk about is puberty. That's all right, baby. It doesn't work. It's a shit show this morning. <laughs> so um, the first thing is, is puberty. That's the, one of the first main stages that you undergo naturally as a human being. And so cultures around the world, as you see, one of, one of the things that they're marking here is, um, you know, uh, this post-pubescent life that you're, like, you're going to be an adult now, right? So the, one of the first um, main things that you'll see with rites of passages is on puberty. According to the National Institute of Health, puberty begins, you know, between 8 and 13, 9 and 14, depending if it's boys or girls. This can go up to 15, you know, as early, earlier than that, depending on, you know, it's not, you know, it's not set in stone in this sort of sense. But people all over the world would say, hey, when children go through this, 
this uh, puberty, we have to do some sort of rites of passage so that they know that they are responsible for themselves, okay? Um, you know, of course, rites of passage, baptism is one of these things. Um, sorry, around here. Um, the Jewish people, of course, right? They, they consistently hold on to this. This is, a, this is a really fundamental part of their religious belief system, right? Whether you like it or not, they still hold on to these things that cultures around the world did because they understand the importance of making sure that your child goes from the child to the adult. So, of course, these are called bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs, depending if it's a, you know, a boy or a girl, a religious initiation ceremony for a Jewish girl, age 12 years and one day. Regard at, regarded as the age of religious maturity. Think about this. This is something I've said a, a long time. Like children, you know, we right now, our culture basically makes toys for children of ages like, you know, set, you know, whatever, three to five and then or three to six and then seven to 11 and then toys from 12 to 15. Think about that. I mean, toys. For, for people that should be, according, according to what I consider, uh, anyway, what I think nature tells us, that we should be of religious maturity. Not only just social, but we should be, get, you know, isn't to say that you should be fully spiritual being, but at that stage, you should be completely dedicated to a spiritual life, a life dedicated to God. How many of us, how many of us was that ever set in stone for us? Was there ever any sort of ceremony, ritual that said, hey, little Bobby, now you're no longer going to be a little douche nozzle. Now you have to be responsible and you have to take care of things. None of us ever went through it. As far, almost everybody I know. All right? And so the, uh, once again, according to Jewish law, a Jewish boy is 13 years. So this round 12, 13, that sort of thing, right? Well, if you look at um, puberty, the thing about puberty, nature tells us that you are going to, this is when women develop breasts, they get right, their, their eggs start dropping, you know, the, 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 you know, they start getting their, their cycle, you know, men, they get hair under their arms, they start getting erections, they, you know, that sort of thing for the first time. And so there's these great changes that happen in your body naturally. God under, under, you know, in this sense, forces you to undergo those changes. So civilizations recognize that and said, hey, well, nature slash God is telling us that the human being must be ready to be able to take care of himself him or herself, at what age? Let's just say 10 to 15. Now, most of us think that's crazy, right? Like, cause I didn't actually, I, I say I wouldn't even, I probably didn't even consider myself a man or started actually taking care of my spiritual life and my actual life till I was probably about 27, 28 years old. I was probably about, I don't know, 12, 15 years late, something like that, okay? Most of us are, most of it's even later than that, okay? So. We have these ages in which say, hey, nature, God, whatever, saying, you have to prepare the child to be able to handle the fact that they're, that they're undergoing this physical change and that they can literally bring people onto earth, which means they have to be responsible for the fact that they have that energy, they have that power, and that they, could, they can bring people on earth and, and be responsible for them. Think about that. When does puberty naturally occur? right around 13, 14, and 15. Sometimes it's earlier, sometimes it's later, of course, but, you know, that this is roughly, you know, I bet, I bet 13, 14 is essentially under, when I underwent puberty. A lot of my friends did as well, right? So 13, 14, 15. I'll just, just want to say this, that the, those, that time period is absolutely marked in the Bible. It's, it's actually, um, you know, of course, all of this stuff that we talk about, but the 13, 14, and 15 is actually between the gematria of holy and Bible. So this, this, this stage in which you are absolutely transitioning into a, an, a man or a woman 
is marked in a, you know, in, in this sort of sense, a numeric timeline, if you will, the ages. And it, the, those ages are the rough period is stuck between Holy and Bible. And that's exactly where you establish pi, of course, 314151. All you have to do is mirror those. A lot of people know this. So um, right there. <laughs> so right where pi is established, right where you, you know, right around the ages that you reach puberty is all right there. Okay. Now, and of course, 12, holy through Bible, let me just say this, quick note, holy through Bible, 12 plus 13 plus 14 plus 15 plus 16, you see those right there? Holy equals 12, Bible equals 16, that equals 70. The Greek Old Testament is called the Septuagint, which means 70. So you know, this old Bible, the Greek version of the Old Testament that was translated into Greek, for some reason they didn't call it the Torah or anything, they called it, a, they gave it the num, a, a name of a number, a specific number being 70. The question we must ask is, why? Random shit. 70 translators did the thing or whatever. Maybe there's a deeper reason. Maybe there's a deeper meaning. And as we'll find out today with quote-unquote truthers when it comes to masonry, there is a deeper meaning and that they don't just, they don't care about learning it. So why is it so important to mark this time? Well, I can tell you personally, I can tell you from personal experience that the energy that you get, right, that sexual energy that you get when you start to, you know, become, a, you know, physically a, an adult, a man, that sort of thing, and you get the energy, the sexual energy, that sort of thing, is incredibly powerful. I don't know, uh, in fact, I would say that I did a terrible job of managing it, but I would say that most of the people I know in, around me did a pretty awful job managing that because they were never taught to manage it. We were never taught the sacredness of sex. We were never taught how powerful we are. There's a reason that the stinger, the, the, the Scorpio, is given the distinction of what your private member. Why? Because it can be a fucking stinger, bro, right? That can, you know, you know they, they always talk about guys thinking with their dick. That's an actual thing. That's not, <laughs> that's not a pair, that's not like an adage. That's not like some old, you know, old wives tale. No, that's a thing where it's like that is so powerful, it can control your mind. So pu like these puberty, these rites of passage ceremonies, one of them was to say, hey, guess what? You gotta be responsible for all of that now. Not only that, you could bring with that little member or large, depending on if you're Irish or Italian, <laughs> with your large Johnson & Johnson, you can bring people into the earth, which means you'd have to be responsible for them. So it's very, very, very important that we make sure the children, when they, when they undergo that time period, to be like, look, you have a huge responsibility now. The, all of our, you know, at least our civilization, our culture nowadays, that responsibility is shunned and look at the shithole that we're in, right? When you talk about boys and the energy that they have around this age, getting into, you know, high school, college, stuff like that, and trying to manage that energy, throughout the past, they, you know, there were, <laughs> this is a, it's, a snow, it's a, a snowball fight from Princeton way back in the day. You can see, this is, this is what sexual energy does to one another in a snowball fight. Kids will just beat the shit out of each other. This is why you have Taekwondo. This is why you have wrestling. This is why you have sports because it's a way to literally un unleash that energy, okay? And so you got to do something with it. So a, 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 an actual civilized society will make sure that there's some sort of, you know, um, a ceremony or something like that to make sure that that is trans, you know, that energy is transmuted properly and dealt with properly, 
Okay. Um, th this is how, you know, when we talk about, because we're going to talk about masonry and fraternities and brotherhoods and things like that. You know, these sorts of um, rites of passages, this is this happens in um, like college culture as well. Of course, this is fraternities and brotherhoods and that sort of thing, right? And so people always blame the Masons, be like, ah, oh, they're all Satan worshippers and stuff. No, they're not. Or they, oh, they're all like murdering babies down at the lodge and shit like that. No, no. But if you do want to find out where there's actual violence going on in brotherhoods, just go to colleges. This is actually from, when is this from? This is a couple years back, but it says like, in the fraternity deaths, university campuses across the country were rocked by a series of fraternity deaths in 2017, fueling an unprecedented national conversation about the dangers of fraternity culture. Right, so basically in this one year, there was a bunch of deaths at, fr at fraternities. Why? Well, because fraternities anymore aren't about actually making you a gentleman and a good soul and virtuous and righteous and upright and all that other shit. It's basically just getting hammered, see how many you know, shots of tequila rose you can do. You know, it's that kind of thing. So once again, even the, even the fraternities that we have in colleges and shit like that have essentially lost their way. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. As we'll see, masonry is one of these fraternities for any sort of man to get into a spiritual life, okay? What's another fraternity? What's another rites of passage that you see for boys around this age? Seven, eight, into 13, 14, 15, Boy Scouts of America. I was part of Boy Scouts of America. My father was a cub master, a boy, a boy scout uh, master, um, that sort of thing. So, you know, he overlooked the, you know, and this was back, back when I was in it, Boy Scouts was still a you know, pretty prominent thing. It really has, it really has gone south. Oh my God. What is that? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you'll hear the background noise. It's kind of like, it's like a horror film. It's slightly, you'll hear screams from the Masonic brothers. And Anyway, so the Boy Scouts of America, the, look at the symbol for the Boy Scouts of America. We just, we just covered this last week about, hey, the eagle is the symbolic of St. John and, you know, all of this other stuff. This is the symbol for Boy Scouts of America. That is an eagle over a what? <clears throat> a fleur-de-lis. Fleur it's essentially the symbol for the French Trinity. That's what it is. Okay, now look to the left and look to the right of its wings. What are there? They're two five-pointed stars. What is that? It's a reference to your hands. What's the eagle? It's the soaring eagle that rises up through you, the whole thing. You, just as we talked about the eagle, the, you know, the phoenix that rises from the ashes, the whole bit. The Boy Scouts of America, though you could pretty much ask any Boy Scout, any Cub Master, whatever, you know, is absolutely laden with esoteric or mystical themes. There's no question about it. What is Boy Scouts supposed to be about? Now, of course, all of these institutions have lost their way. We know that. We can go to the Christian churches. They've lost their way. We can go to the governments. They've lost their way. We can go to our fucking HOA, and they've lost their way. Boy Scouts have lost their way, which is a sign of the times because people aren't keeping up these institutions. Why are they not keeping up the institutions? Because they don't know what they mean anymore. Why do you keep shoving some, you know, something down a, a child's throat or you know, into the ears of a young person? It's like, you have to believe this. You must believe this. And yet you don't even know what it means. This is, how, this is how institutions end up failing, deteriorating, turning to, to garbage, right? Because the true mysticism of them is lost. Christianity is 111% guilty, okay? Masonry is guilty as, of this as well. Um, these are the 12 points of the Scouts Law. This is like your 12, I forget what they call, oaths or whatever that you take in Boy Scouts. You take oaths in Boy Scouts, right? And what is it? It's supposed to be trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, reverent, right? This is the we be loyal Scouts. We be loyal Scouts. We're loyal to our order. We're loyal to to this group that is a is actually a, supposed to be a, a way for, you know, men to be, or boys to become men, okay? And they do this through all of the high virtues, through the morals. They're supposed to. 
Once again, it's you know it's not what it is anymore. But one of the things that is was absolutely a rites of passage that I never got to undergo because I quit Boy Scouts, right? Because I ended up you know with that sexual energy, that Scorpio. I ended up playing a lot of guitar and chasing skirts. Let's just be honest. But Canyon Camp was a place. This is right near my old hometown, Stockton, Illinois. Canyon Camp. They absolutely had rites of passages that you did for. Um, it was called the Order of the Arrow. So this is this is Boy Scouts now. Most of them look like they've had too many jelly rolls. Let's just say that but you know is what it is so we I, I spent a couple years at canyon camp maybe two something like that i want to say and um there it is canyon camp and it what they did is they had this rites of passage they had the ceremony it was called the order of the arrow right and basically the order of the arrow was this idea is that it's, it's a national honor society within boy scouts so within the scouts itself there was an honor society if you will right and it basically it was a rites of passage where they would get everybody together in this um, large circle and then they would have traditional like indian you know indigenous people whatever native garbs that sort of thing do like a sort of native a ancient sort of native american ritual that was a rites of passage and what it was called the tap out ritual and that they would go around and then you would if you got picked if you were elected by the council they would tap you out and then i forget what you had to do i think they sent you out in the woods for a night essentially alone with like a, a book of matches and two eggs or something, get like a sleeping bag. And then the next day you had to go and cut firewood and stack wood or something like that. And you didn't get to eat all the way till I think five o'clock, something like that, right? There was basically something like that. And so, you know, initially it's like, oh my God, like you're going to send the kid out into the woods and he's not going to eat all day and all this other shit. What are they doing? Well, they're preparing him for life is what they're doing. They're testing his, his, his might, testing his will, testing what he can handle. He's like, oh, he's like, oh a little child is going to go out in that woods to start crying and whining, right? That sort of thing. The man, right, is going to take care of his shit and be like, well, it'll be over tomorrow. I'll get my meal. I'll get my three squares, you know, tomorrow, whatever it is, you know. So the order of the arrow was a, and it was a, it was a really amazing thing. I remember, you know, I wasn't in the circle or anything like that, but I was young and I remember watching it and it was like a really intense thing. Everybody was quiet and you had these drums going on. It was like, oh, oh, oh you know, the classic sort of, you know, indigenous chants and things like that. And then they tapped you out and they slammed you on the shoulders and then they took you away. And this was like, you know, it was, it was a really intense ceremony so this is order of this is comes um the tap out ceremony from camp joseph this is order of the arrow let me know if you can't hear this the mighty chief singles out an outstanding scout camp the boy who has done his best during 10 days at joseph to live the scout oath and law, to play on the team, to show his love for Camp Giuseppe, to render unselfish service to others. The boys of the tribe do the electing. <clears throat> to render unselfish service to others. This is what the ceremony is about. And they're the strictest judges of all. You've got to be good to become an arrow man. the order of the arrow looks into the eyes of each camper during the ceremony and there another arrow man is chosen the order of the arrow is composed so you can see they smack them on the shoulders, you know, three different times. And it's pretty hard. Like, it's not like they're not being gentle. They're like, all right, boy, like, boom, 
boom, so they can feel it, right? And the reason they do this, and as we'll see when we talk about masonry, uh, the, the reason they do this is specifically for the theatrics because what is being what is being expressed to this young man, right, is not something that can be taught in words. It's not something that you can just tell a tale. It's not something you'd be like, this is what you need to do. In this sense, it's a very Gnostic thing. What do I mean by that? You must experience it. You must experience it. And that's the thing, right? Isn't that great? So this boy is no longer now. He's going to take care of the boys at the camp and he's going to take care of the men. Right. And this is specifically what it's for. And it's a great honor because what you're doing is honestly what you're doing. And this is what's being lost is you're fulfilling your divine role. This is what God wants of us. This is what God in this sense expects of us. This is his will. Okay. These ceremonies were there specifically to make sure that men would go, boys, men would go into this and become the spiritual, you know, vessels that they are. This is your proof of a job well done. Well done for and by the thousands of Boy Scouts. Real quick there, the Boy Scout logo right there is the three up, right? What is that? It's Trinitarian. <laughs> it's, that's what it is. That's what I was saying. All of this stuff, that's a, you know, very triangular shaped fire kind of thing, that kind of thing. But it's, yeah, it's, it's Trinitarian. This is all esoterica. It's all mysticism. Pass through and continue to pass through the portals of Camp Giuseppo. So you can see that, you know, pretty, pretty interesting. Not a lot of kids underwent that. So what is, what is the rites of passage ultimately there to do? Like I said, it's taking you from one, you know, one state into this new state. You had an old role. Now you have a new role. It's a really, it's a rebirth. Ultimately what it is, it's a rebirth. Death to the old self, birth of the new, right? This is catabasis. Usually this involves going into some sort of darkness, some sort of hell, some sort of whatever, right? And it's, and it's a ritual specifically there to, to um, dramatize this, right? This is what the order of the arrow was. When they took you out, they basically threw you in the woods and said, good luck. Now, of course, they made sure they weren't just going to let you die out there or anything like that. The scoutmasters would look over you and stuff like that and make sure there was no problem and all that sort of stuff. But ultimately, it was a night alone, darkness, hell. That's what it was. And then the next day you were reborn and you were an honorable member of the tribe. So this is called catabasis. This is a classic, classic theme within, you'll find, of course, across the world of basically going a journey into the underworld. And it's basically where the hero, the protagonist, visits the, well, the, in this sense, the Greek underworld or Hades, and he has to go through some sort of, you know, trials and tribulations and trepidation, has to meet with the devil, has to fight off some, you know, dragons, whatever it is, so you can get to the other side. And it's this, no, it's this thing that we always talk about. You cannot know the greatness of God without knowing the depths of evil, Okay. It's like you have to know that. You can't you know, swim around in it and hang out in degeneracy and shit like that, but you must know it, okay? These are rituals to make sure that you, you actually experience that, right? Catabasis, once again, it's a descent into the underworld. It's the incorporation. It's, I'm sorry. It's the old self. You start as a separation, no longer the boy. You go to liminality, right, which is the transitional period where it's like you're figuring out what you, the things you need to do, the responsibilities you need to undertake as a man. Then you get into the incorporation, and that's when you're the honorable member of the tribe in that sort of sense, okay? So the reason that I'm talking about all this, it brought Boy Scouts up, it brought, you know, all of that sort of thing, you know, bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah up, is because masonry, 
And this is what most people don't have no clue about, right, when they, when they study masonry when it comes to truthers that are not being truthful at all. And this is the big problem I have, as you guys know. We'll talk about it today. Masonry is a rites of passage for men to become men of God. That's exactly what it's, what it's supposed to be, okay? And we'll talk about this. It is a modern-day mystery school. Masonry is a uh, science of morality veiled in allegory and illustrated in symbols. That's exactly what it is. What, it, what Masonry claims it is, is exactly what it is. If you study it, if you dedicate it with, if you dedicate yourself to it, if you're just honest with it, that's exactly what you will find out Masonry is. The reason you're listening to me right now is because I've studied, you're like, Marty, that guy has a lot of really great shit to say. He's got some really good insights into the Bible and language and numbers and blah, 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 blah. Do you know why? It's because I've dedicated myself literally for years to studying Masonry. And there's, and, and, and you know, and once again, the in this sense, the proof is in the pudding, okay? So masonry is a rites of passage for men to become better men, to become actual men of God, okay? Because it's one thing to say, hey, you, we went through puberty and now you have to take care of, you got to go to your work and, you know, take care of your family and stuff like that. This is to take those guys, those men, and make them even better. And that's to lead them directly to God. And that's exactly what masonry claims. Once again, what masonry claims is absolutely true. They're, what, what is their goal? It's making good men better. It's taking men that are already good, but they're like, I want more in life. There's, there's something else I need to do. There's more to fulfill. I have a spirit within me that's unsettled, and I need to, I need to do something with that. And, and what masonry will do is, well, in one sense, the first thing it will do is just lead you to brotherhood and charity. That's, what, that's one of the main things they do, brotherhood and charity. They do fucking charity work. That's what they do. You know, people, it's amazing when you talk about truthers, they just, they completely dismiss this. It's like, ah, oh, it's just a cover or it's whatever it is. And we'll talk about that in just a second, the problem with discussing masonry. But making good men better since time immemorial, since time immemorial, they have no idea the origin of masonry. All they know is it's old as dirt. And I'll show you that today. So once again, the, the claims that the masons are making is like, this thing has been around longer than history. True. Okay. And we'll show you that today. Okay. The problem with discussing, the, the, the problem with every truther on this subject, on Freemasonry, the main problem that you'll have, and this is the problem I've had for 12 years, still having it today, hence why we're doing this live stream. I had two other live streams I was going to do, but I was like, we have to do this, just because of what everybody's talking about, right? It's that most people view Masonry through the lens of a conspiracy theorist, as opposed to a lens of a religious student. Let me say this again. Most truthers that are not truthing at all, <laughs> That's just, there's nothing else I can say. And, and masonry points out the flaws in their research and their logic and their ability to critically think. They're, they're, it shows how the lack of research that they're doing. Most people view masonry through the lens of a conspiracy theorist, and that's what they're doing. You'll never understand masonry if all you do is look at it through, oh, this is a conspiracy. These are the bad guys. These are the guys that are child trafficking. These are the Satanists of the world, new world order, blah. Everybody I know, pretty much everybody I know, that's the lens in which they view it. And hence why they always be, they're, they'll always be wrong, number one, but always come to these absolutely faulty conclusions, okay? If you actually study masonry for what it's supposed to do, making good men better, which means you're taking good men and you're bringing them to God. That's what you're doing. If you understand it as a religious student, this shit will start to make sense. This is, this is the problem I have literally with every quote-unquote truther anymore. It's why I feel like very much an outcast, an outcast of the outcasts, because you can't uh, try, to, tr try to explain any of this, as you guys have even seen now, to a flat earther. Good freaking luck. Good luck, because they've already got it in their head that, no, I don't, uh, this, it's all, uh, it's just faggotry, it's all losers, it's just, you know, whatever, right? 
have no intention of actually trying to understand it at all, no intention of trying to understand it, and you're going to go so far as to trash it, call them losers, be, look at these, you know, fags, all this other stuff, right? That shows how bad your research is. If you shit the bed so bad in this one subject, how many other subjects are you shitting the bed in? If you, can, if you can't even take 10 minutes, 15 minutes, two days to look into what these people actually say themselves and take it, take it for a spin in your head, then how many other subjects are you absolutely crap about? I'm being a little harsh, but this is what you deal with. People will not listen to this church specifically because I'm pro-Freemasonry. Good. Because you know what it tells us? You actually haven't undergone any sort of rites of passage yourself. You haven't undergone any sort of self-initiatory thing yourself to get you into a spiritual world. So you look at all this, and what is the classic thing? You see it all the time. Oh, I don't understand it, so therefore, it's gay. I don't understand it, so therefore, it's dumb. I don't understand it, therefore, it's for fucking losers. Okay? How many, how many people have said that about gematria? Well, guess what? You're dead wrong. How many people have said that about numerology? Well, guess what? You're dead wrong. How many people have said that about astrology? Guess what? You're dead wrong. How many people have said that about Kabbalah? Guess what? You're dead wrong. A truther will actually step into those worlds and say, maybe I am wrong. Maybe I am wrong. How many people are doing that? And especially in the, 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 the FE community. Hardly anybody. Hardly anybody. The problem is, is why this is such an important thing is that most conspiracy theorists, as opposed to viewing things through the lens of a religious student, most conspiracy theorists see the all-seeing eye of God. And what do they think? What is inundated in their head? All-seeing eye. It's the, it's the top-down. It's the, you know, it's the pyramid scheme. And it's all the people at the top. And it's all the Masons. And they're all trying to... No, it's not. Once again, Masonry will c confirm this for you. But if you want to just throw out the entire canon of Masonry, go, go right ahead. And you can go right into the Christian mystics. Go right into the Christian symbologists and they'll tell you the same damn thing. The all-seeing eye of God is as much a Christian symbol as it is anything else. And here's display after display after display. When we were in Europe, we took a bunch of pictures of the all-seeing eye of God and Christian temples. What is it? What is that symbol of? It's actually a symbol to let you know that God, the eye, the singular eye of God, that Lord, exists within you. God is actually viewing his creation through you. And guess what? It actually also tells you that God is watching, viewing, seeing, and remembering everything. There's nothing that you can do down here that you're going to get by God with. You'd be like, oh, well, I can screw these people over here, but, and, and they won't find out, so I'll get away with it. No, you won't. No, you won't. That's what the all-seeing eye of God, the actual religious and spiritual symbol means. It actually, get, if you understand it correctly, it makes you extremely upright. It makes you say, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm like, God is literally watching everything I do. If I even slip a lie through, God will see it. That's what it actually means. Now, ask the conspiracy theorist what it means. And you will get a head full of damn nonsense. That's why this conversation becomes infinitely important. Infinitely important. Our world is filled with symbols that the Masons were actually trying to teach you and tell you about. But because people were viewing it as conspiracy theorists, they'll never see the divine within it. Initiation has been a prevalent part of societies around the world. As we know, you could go to Boy Scouts. <laughs> they, they initiate you. You're elected because it's like, oh, this person is a stand-up person. This person is honorable. We will elect them to the higher realms, if you will. Initiation is a term by the uh, Romans to designate admission into the mysteries of their sacred and secret rites. Okay? 
Um, the uh, Masons have adopted the word to signify a reception into their order. It's, it's initiate. And this is, of course, um, this is this t- term of initiate is directly related to the mysteries, the mystery school tradition. This is what Masonry is. The mystery school tradition, these mystery schools, right? You see, they, this is just a, a small collection of them, right? There's li- literally hundreds and hundreds of these throughout time and throughout history or whatever of schools that were dedicated to teaching the same thing in the same way that the Masons were teaching. Egyptian mystery schools, Eleusinian, Dionysian, uh, Persian, Orphic, Pythagorean, all of these mystery schools, if you go into the literature, will tell you that all of them taught in theatrics. Theatrics. There was a theater, there was a play, there was dress-up, there was masks and things like that. Why? Well, as we already said, because you're trying to give somebody an experience to, like, in this sort of sense, shock them and jolt them, just like that, you know, the tap-out ceremony. You hit them on the shoulder three different times, and you can even hear it. You know, I remember in Canyon Camp, you could hear it in the canyon. It was just like, boom, 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 you know, that kind of thing, you know? And so the, the, the drama is specifically for that. So when people are like, what are the Masons doing in, in their lodges? What are they doing? As far as we can tell, because these rituals are from time immemorial, they're the exact same or at least parallel to the mysteries that you would find in the Egyptian mystery schools or the Eleusinian or the Dionysian, the Orphic. I've, I've listened to people throughout, you know, over the years basically sort of like theorize and shit like that or dream up of what went on in these schools. As far as I can tell, masonry is actually continuing on exactly or at least some sort of a correlate to or, or a f- reflection of what was going on in those schools. So if you want to, under, in other words, in short, what happened, what was going on in the Eleusinian, Dionysian, Orphic, Pythagorean, Egyptian mystery schools? You want to know? Go sign up in Masonry. Go become a brother and you'll find out because that's what they say. When we say since time immemorial, this is what we mean. These things have been going on a long time. So the mysteries were revealed through theatrics and drama. The lesson was communicated in the mysteries in a peculiar form, which has in fact given rise to the theory we are now considering that they were the antitype and original source of speculative masonry. In other words, in other words, they did these, and this is exactly what masonry does, these sort of like weird rituals and weird symbols and things like that and questionable stuff. And do you know why they do that? Once again, this shows the awful research that quote unquote truthers do. It's because they're trying to get you to ask questions. They're literally, it's literally there straight from the mouth of Masons to say, hey, we're doing this kind of weird stuff or theatrics or drama because we want you to say, what's going on? What you, literally for inquisitiveness to somebody who is actually curious because that is the kind of person that they want involved in Masonry. Somebody who actually is thinking, who actually uses their freaking brain. This is why Masons don't ever bother trying to correct anybody online because they already know I'm dealing with people that are spiritual children. Facts. They were all dramatic in their ceremonies. Each one exhibited in a series of scenic representations the adventures of some god or hero. The attacks upon him by his enemies, and we'll see this in the Masonic Hiram Abiff, the attacks upon his enemies, his death at their hands, his descent into Hades or the grave, and his final resurrection to renewed life as a mortal or apotheosis as God. The exact same thing, literally to the T. The, 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 the process of apotheosis, of, of whatever, apotheosis, there's a bunch of different, divinization, deification, right? There's a bunch of different terms that you give to this, that, that, that it's touted in orthodoxy and all this other stuff, is the exact same thing that Masons are doing. When Masons do it, they're Satan worshipers. When the Orthodox do it, according to the Orthodox, it's pure and of the spirit of Christ and blah, blah, blah. And yet they don't know shit. 
Facts. Once again, facts. But in all of these material points of the plot, the religious design of the sacred drama were identical. In other words, what masonry, identical, what masonry is doing in their lodges today is the same sort of shit that they were doing allegedly back in Egypt. This is how long this tradition has kept on. The dramatic form and the scenic representation of the allegory were everywhere preserved. This dramatic form of the initiatory rites in the mysteries, this acted allegory in which the doctrine of the resurrection was shadowed by the visible representation of some fictitious event. What you'll see in the dramatic and the, the theatrics of masonry is a fictitious event. It's not, in this sort of sense, it's not real, but it's done so in, or, in order for the initiate to undergo a death and resurrection, which is exactly what catabasis is, is exactly what a rites of passage is there to do. All the early mysteries and mystical traditions appear to center around a kind of mystery play or ritual reenactment of the life of such gods as Osiris, Dionysus, and Demeter, div divinities most often associated with the underworld, the realm of the dead, the powers of darkness, and the process of rebirth. Comparative mythologists, guys, you know, everybody from Joseph Campbell all the way to, you know, we've read from Frank C. Higgins and blah, 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 right? We'll read from him again today have said the same thing. You go into any of these mystery schools and it's a mystery play, it's a ritual reenactment, it's theater. And that's exactly what the Masons are doing. People don't understand that. Ignorant people, this is what I mean. You're defining yourself by by being, you're defining yourself as ignorant by your ability to research. I'm not going to look into any of that. No need to. It's all dumb. I'm just going to be ignorant of it and I'm going to have a, a, a raunchy opinion of it. I'm going to be like, that's all gay. It's all losers. This is, the, this is the core problem of our world. Now, let me say this about masonry. Masonry has, just like all these other institutions, has lost its way. Most of the guys within masonry are, they have no interest of the mysteries and things like that. It is, in this sense, it's a, a, a boys club. It's like a, go to, a club to go eat ham sandwiches and shit, okay? That, that's literally what's going on in Masonic Lodges. You know, I've been studying this stuff for many, many moons now. I've talked to many masons over the years. Right? And we'll cover that today. But anyway, this is J uh, James Powell. I don't know if he listens anymore, but he's an esoteric. He actually is an esoteric Freemason in many years, and he actually does like lectures and things like that. And he wrote me and he said, Hey, there are many things which surprise me about the vast majority of my fellow brothers. Although this information, the emblems, everything we teach here, the symbology is, you know, it's all around them. They don't pay any more than a passing interest in it. Those who actively seek esoteric knowledge anymore make up no more than a few percent. And, th and this is why one of the reasons I haven't joined masonry. This is why one of the reasons I didn't join a church and started one myself. As even the people who are supposed to indeed strongly recommend to seek knowledge, they do not actually bother to do so. Masonry, like every other institution, has been completely watered down. Complete, in this sort of sense, completely lost its way. I, I want to say completely because it obviously hasn't because it's inspired me to do what I'm doing. It's sort of like, and obviously there's great, great men that are, that are Masons all over the world that are, you know, actively seeking the esoteric. But that's one of the main things it's there for, and you don't even see it anymore, which to me says a lot about the signs of our times. Okay, let's talk about the prevalence of Masonry. How prevalent these quote-unquote secret societies were, what they were, are rites of passages for men to become spiritual men. That's what they are. These were unbelievably prevalent, and they still are, not nearly as much as they were back in the day, but I just want to show you how important this was to societies in the past, and how it's completely lost today, and now we have children raising children. These are, I grew up in Monroe, Wisconsin, on the border of southern Wisconsin, Illinois, right? And the whole area is peppered with Masonic Lodges. 
It's not even like back in the day, there wasn't even that many people living in southern Wisconsin. There's not even that many people living there now. Right. And yet you had every single town within a 20 mile radius of where I grew up has a Masonic Lodge and it's still there today. Okay, so obviously this was something that was very important, was seen in by society on the on the whole as not a bad thing. Right. So this is Masonic Lodge. On the left there, that's um, the Masonic Lodge in Monroe, Wisconsin. I actually, when I was a kid, my friend and I, Ryan Wolf, we actually busted into the Masonic Lodge. <laughs> and we ran upstairs and we saw all this, all the, all their theatrics and stuff like that. And we were like, whoa, what the fuck is this? And then we ran out and we were like, what the hell is going on? Because we were literally inquisitive back in the day. And we were like, what's going on? So we broke in there and like, sorry, mom. I don't know if I ever told you that one. But anyway, <laughs> right next to, right next to there was a little store called Mel's Stitching Post. And I actually, the guy right next to the Masonic Lodge, the guy that actually taught me how to make signs and play guitar and stuff like that was, uh, his dad was a Mason. And, um, and so I literally learned to play guitar and that sort of thing right next to a Masonic Lodge. So, so it's kind of funny. But anyway, so right to the right there is another town I, I lived in for a couple of years, actually, New Glarus. So, uh, that, and the one on the left there, that's in the main squ uh, square of Monroe. So, and I'll show you the maps here. This is in Broadhead, Wisconsin. This is about, uh, New Glarus is about 15 minutes from Monroe. Broadhead is maybe another 12, 15 minutes. Uh, here's one in Argyle. This is, and this is still there. And this is not old world. That's 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 not old world architecture there. That's new world. You can even see by the bricks, the windows, the the lack of, you know, just the um, ornateness, if you will. Is that a word? Ornateness. It is now. I just Dr. Seuss the shit out of that. So this is. So uh, the 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 point is this. These are Monroe, Wisconsin. You see that right there, circled, all around me. Growing up, there, there are Masonic Lodges, and within, what, a 20-mile, 15, 20-mile radius, it's not even that many, not even that many people live in there. And you had Masonic Lodge, Masonic Lodge, Masonic Lodge, Masonic Lodge, there's one in Janesville, there's one in Madison, there's one in Mount Horeb, I believe there's one in Dodgeville, right? Like, how many Masons were there back in the day? A lot, a lot. This is what's happened to um, Mason. So this is uh, Monroe Freemason, Wisconsin, Monroe, Wisconsin. These are all the Freemasons back in the day. And uh, as you can see, they were actually doing brickwork. They were like building, you know, stone, this, you know, this sort of thing. Tons of Freemasons. Loads of them. Now it's, there's, you know, maybe there's 12 or something like that. This is New Glarus. I actually used to party in that, that schoolhouse back there with my friend Dan Marchant. Um, <clears throat> there was a lot of weed that was smoked in that, right? That was, we, we, <laughs> <laughs> we hotboxed that place. Anyway, New Glarus Lodge. Look at all the Masons. Look at all of them. Here's the Masons of today. Most people think that Masons are like Satan worshipers and they're down at the lodge and they're trafficking children and they're worshiping the devil. These are, this is a, a, a picture. You can see not many members of, oh, this is Wisconsin. I think this is Madison. This was New Glarus, a town of a couple thousand, even back then, probably 1,500, 3,000 maybe. Look at all these Masons. Right. This is, I believe this is in Wisconsin, uh, Madison today. And the, uh, this is all the Masons. I think this is or Lafayette or something. I'm not sure exactly where this is. But so obviously these guys, if you look at these guys and you think that these guys are Satan worshipers, uh, no offense. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be so harsh, but you're an idiot. Okay. What, what would you expect? You know what I would trust these guys to do? Cook me a fucking rare steak. I would trust these guys to fillet a, a salmon. Okay. This is what these guys do. These are hardworking, blue collar family men. That's what they are. And they're dedicated to God. Every single one of these people have a very strong uh, faith. No question. And truthers are just, would just completely dismiss these guys because they're Masons. Shame on you. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. 
So this stuff was so prevalent back in the day. I want to show you guys this about literally met like um, secret society or uh, brotherhoods, that sort of thing, fraternities, orders, that sort of stuff that would like literally play pranks and mess with people, this sort of stuff. This was very, very prevalent, not a hundred years ago. And it's completely, almost completely, not completely gone, but you know what, you know what I mean? Completely watered down now. There's a factory in Illinois, and there, I think there were several of these, but this was a factory, and it's the DeMoulin Brothers and Company in Greenville, Illinois, and they manufactured, it was called Burlesque Specialties and Side Degree Paraphernalia and Costumes. It was an entire factory that made costumes, paraphernalia, and stuff like that for what? <clears throat> rights of, societies that were based on rites of passages. Here's a list of all of the all of the costumes and things that they made for people around. Circus equipment, choir gowns, church pulpit gowns, church pews, Brotherhood of the Railroad Railroad Trainmen, the Brotherhood of the American Yeomen, you know, all of this sort of stuff. Army officers, uniforms and equipments, Masonic clubs, Masonic consistory, the Maccabees, that's like a that's like a Jewish um um, secret order. The Kiwanis Club, the Knights of Columbus, the Knights Templar uniforms, Job's daughters. High school gowns and caps. People think that like all the, the high school, all the uniforms in high schools, it's Masonic. No, it's mystery school. <laughs> this stuff, was, did you guys know that the Knights of Columbus is, a, is, is as much of a Masonic order as anything else? They actually have degrees. Knights of Columbus have four degrees. And they have regalia and costumes and the same shit. So this is some of the things. These are some of the ones I pulled out that they, they, that they would use for some of these. Literally to gag the initiate. Literally to a joke. You know, um, you know, and of course, fraternities do this and all sorts of stuff. The rollicking Mustang goat where like they would, you know, the initiate would be blindfolded and they they'd come out literally to mess with them, literally to, to screw with them. Right. Guess what? Men do this stuff all the time when it comes to like when I was when I was being initiated into like building and doing and doing uh, signs and that sort of stuff. Do you know how many times I was fucked with by my coworkers? Men, be honest with yourselves. How many times when you worked on a job or you construction or whatever it was, you're an electrician, and the guys would mess with you. They would joke around. They'd play pranks on you. There's whole Instagram accounts with this shit. These guys did it back in the day, and they honored it, and now it's like, look at these losers. No, what's been lost is the exact same thing that the Native Americans completely understood. Native Americans had rites of passage ceremonies, and they had what would absolutely be construed as Freemasonry. Freemasonry. We talked about the Medouin Society, the Ojibwe, right? Uh, the Ojibwe, you guys know my phonetics suck. The Grand Medicine Society was the, the, literally a, a, a society of medicine men, like in this sort of sense, spiritually guided people. And they had a lodge, literally called it a lodge. The lodge was set up much the same, northeast, west, south, the, the cardinal directions, an altar in the center, much the same way as a Freemasonic lodge. Okay, we've also talked about, so this is the Medouin Society, we talked about that. And this was the, literally, a, it was, a, I think what they called it, the, the way of the heart. The way of the heart. You mean like the sacred heart of Jesus? Yes. Um, so this is American Indian Freemasonry. There's a couple books you can you can check out. Books specifically on the fact that Native American Freemason that Native Americans had Freemasonry. The indigenous people all over the world had an initiatory society. Okay. Um, this is I'm going to go over this somewhat quick because it's something we've covered before. But a drawing of the lodge of the Eagle Society. It was an eagle. The Native Americans were just just like the dollar bill and just like Boy Scouts and just like St. John. They worshipped. They had this eagle, which represented what divine flight. Yes, 
right? The Indians in some instances drew moral lessons and analogies from the art of building their longhouses. You mean like Freemasonry? Because that's exactly what Freemasonry is. Yes, right? Their, their, their most important part of their symbolism was drawn from the study of the temple of nature. You mean just like we do on this channel? Yes, right? There was, there's, oh, there were societies that used secret words. Some of the words, they, 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 they had meanings, but nobody knew them outside of the lodge. You mean just like Freemasonry? Yes. There can be no doubt that in certain Indian societies that secret words or the members might use in conversation or signals. They had handshakes. They had secret words. They had passwords. They had lodges. They literally had masks and initiatory ceremonies in which they would screw with the initiates. There's no question about it. This is just from that one book. It's from, um, I forget what his name is. Um, he was a, 30, a 32nd Mason. Uh, Arthur C. Parker. This is from this book, so you can look this up. When, when you know, there was the colonization or resettling or whatever you want to call it of, of the, the, the Americas here, they, uh, they found pendants, number of pendants that were what? Literally Native American compasses and squares. We also know that um, the, the Native Americans, in, of course, building their longhouses, the, that sort of stuff. But not only that, the, um, the mound builders, all of that sort of stuff, which who, who were they, where, when were they here, who knows. But they absolutely, when they built the mounds, based them on star study. At this point, there's no question about it. You can prove that. Okay? There's the diagram showing the form of the lodge of the ancient guards of the mystic potents. This was, once again, there was actually some white men or whatever that were initiated into one of these Freemasonic lodges. That's what it's in this book. They got the picture of the dudes. I should have included all that. On the, on the side there, there was a, it says the Sentinel Society of the False Faces. The False Face Company is one of the most spe spectacular of the Iroquois. The Iroquois would do an initiatory rite ceremony where they would wear these crazy stupid masks like those loser Freemasons. They'd play dress up. And what did they do? They made sure that that boy became a freaking man. Native Americans also, as we know, one of the things is this is in the mythology. In other cases, there's in North Central California, world creators are likely to be creator gods thinking the world into existence or bringing it forth with a word. Now, I'm going to go over this real quick because we've covered this a, a, number, a number of times before, but the, the lost Masonic word is one of the, the key things within Masonry. Is to find, there was this word that was lost, and we'll go over all this. There was a word that was lost, and you had to recover it. As far as we could tell, the, the Native Americans, there were many tribes that had the same sort of ideas. We talked about that with the Medouin Society and the, the pounding of the tree drum and the 90-degree hammer and all that sort of stuff. Okay, this is there, the, when you actually understand, once again, when you put, when you take off the conspiracy theory goggles and you put on the goggles of a religious student, all of a sudden, all these connections are made. The connections don't get made when you, when you go and make videos like, Mason's dumb. We all know who's the dumb one now. <laughs> We're racing the bar here at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. If, for one, if, if, if not for one thing, because I'm tired of hearing it, that you had this lost Masonic word. This is what Masonry is about. And we'll, like I said, we'll cover this. Hiram Abiff, these guys, they wanted the, they, the master's word. He wouldn't give it up. And so they killed him. And then there's a whole death and resurrection. The lost Masonic word is the mythical history of Freemasonry informs us that there once existed a word of surpassing value and claiming a profound veneration. Okay? It was at length lost and that a temporary substitute for it was adopted. That's uh, uh, Mahabon. We'll talk about that. And basically, the whole idea is like, what is Freemasonry? It's a science which is engaged in the search after divine truth, the word. 
Okay, so it basically the symbol, the word is the symbol of divine truth, and the law substitution and recovery of it are but the component parts of the mythical symbol which represents a search after truth. That's what masonry is about. It's a search after this mythical lost word which ultimately represents divine truth. And it's plastered all over their literature. The problem is, is conspiracy theorists, that's exactly what they are, theorizing conspiracies that don't exist, they don't read any of it. And then all this just goes in the trash, and they don't understand why it's, why it's necessary to focus on this. Masonry is all about, basically, once again, man setting forth on the voyage of life with faculties and powers fitting him for the due exercise of the high duties to whose performance he has been called. Holds, if he be a curious and cunning workman, a workman of the crafts of masonry, that is, skilled in all moral and intellectual purposes. That's... <laughs> That's what the temple builder is all about. Literally raising yourself up, building brick by brick, the temple that is you, into a fully moral, intellectual, loving, caring, righteous, charitable person that cares about his community, God, and the future of mankind. That's what masonry is. And it's all symbolized by the divine truth, which is the word. The, the word, thus, thus provided the word of life. What is the word? We all know what the word is. In this sort of sense, right, we know here at the Gnostic Church and Canopy of Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the Word. So the entire parable of masonry is literally, a, is literally to seek out Christ within all things. That's what it is. Okay? We've also, we, I'm, I'm just going to cover this real quick. We've talked about the Word, I'm, I, what the Word is. It has correlations to light and sound and, and vibration and frequency. There's a number. It's literally in the mathematical language, pi is the Word. Okay, and we've talked about that. I'm not going to go over that. The word is, because we've covered this enough times, review, but, you know, the word is found all over the world once again. The Egyptian Book of the Dead, the, you know, the, the Om in the Hindus, the Brahman was the word, and the word was with God, the, you know, the truly supreme Brahman, and the Mayans had this, and the Hermeticists have this, okay? There also, in the Bible, talks about the fact that there would be a time, like now, where children are raising children, then we've lost all the rites of passage in this world, that there would be a famine for the word, that there would be a famine for divine truth. Amen. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, not a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from north even to the east. They shall run to, to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. The Old Testament is literally, in this sort of sense, prophesizing exactly what's going on right now. The total loss of the word. And, the, and, the, and the, once again, obviously, the subsequent recovery of it as well. But what is that word? It's Christ. It's Christ. So, um, and I'm not trying to call anybody out here or anything like that. But this is just an example of all the things that I've repeatedly talked about over the years, that it's, nothing has changed as far as truthers are concerned. It's the same old thing. This, uh, um, Jaron had left this, Jaron Campanella had left this in the Telegram group. And I'm not trying to beat him up or anything like that. Uh, this could literally be from a thousand other people. Literally, okay? Uh, when I basically said, well, you don't understand anything that's going on in the Masonic Lodge, and, and then you rip on it and call it losers and shit, right? And he said, well, very true. I do not understand these ancient rituals. Or the aprons, or the need to act out these ancient events. We'll go over every, every bit of it. Or dress up in robes and dresses. They're not dressing up in dresses. They're the robes, but anyway. Or walking around in a circle humming. Or why people would sit around watching it. I do not understand any of it. I don't care to understand any of it, and I'm going to go so far as to call them all fucking losers. 
Now you see why I feel like the outcast of the outcasts, why I don't even necessarily get along with quote unquote flat earthers. Because the core of what we teach, the core of what we preach, the core of, of allowing us to go into that Bible and actually understand it, you'll get people that say, I don't give a shit about any of it. I don't even care what it is. I'm just looking at it on the surface and it's all loser shit. I grew up Catholic, so I saw the robe wearing and dramatic acting for no reason that no one should want to see in their life. You didn't understand any of it. And this is exactly what happens in the quote-unquote truth community. It happens all the time. I don't understand it. It's gay. I don't understand it. It's retarded. Is this truth-seeking? Is this being scholarly? Is this being gentleman? Is this being upright? Is this questioning anything? No. No. So now you, feel, now you know why I feel like the damn loner? Right, uh, he says, "Hey, I'd be willing to talk about it anytime." You should be talking about this all the time. I, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be like, "Oh, I'll have Marty on my show." It should be like, "Oh no, we need to talk about this shit." Hence, why I don't do many shows anymore. Um, people think the skull and bones and book and snake and all Freemasonry all the same. No, it's not. No, it's not. That would be like saying the International Order of the Oddfellows and the Knights of Columbus and the Freemasons are all the same. It's not. Once again, just god-awful research, and have no intention, no intention whatsoever of trying to correct themselves. Why? It's all loser shit. And I know they call these little skits morality plays, but in watching the one I posted recently, that seems absurd. Well, it seems absurd because you don't know anything, because you're literally claiming you're ignorant, and you're happy about it. Well, we're going to go through the very one that Jaron posted, the very one that was sent to me by several different people, by the way, and we're going to walk through it. And do the responsible thing, the adult thing, the spiritually enlightened thing. No morals are being taught in that play with screaming and killing and burying people. Wrong. Completely wrong. And there's no reason to wear aprons and gloves just because Masons did 200 years ago actually is from time immemorial. There's no reason to do it. It's just all gay. Okay. Well, now we know where you are spiritually. And hence why we, I don't hang out with these people. Because <laughs> it's you know, that's garbage. You're literally saying, I don't know anything about it. I don't want to know anything about it. And I have strong opinions about it. I'm a truther. What? This is the kind of stuff you'll get. Looks pretty gay and Jewish. 9,000 likes. It's basically Kabbalah for the goy. That's actually true. <laughs> that's actually true. Masonry, in one sense, is Kabbalah for people that are non-Jews. <laughs> now, now, being a non-Jew, that's a pretty good thing. And Kabbalah, since that's the understanding number symbolism and the emanations of God, that's a pretty good thing. But chill out, Lou, doesn't have a damn clue about anything. And neither do pretty much anybody in these comment sections. This was somebody we just had a kick out of our Telegram group. It's like, the G in Freemasonry stands for gay. You have a mind and a heart of a child, a four-year-old. Uh, you don't like me? You're not going to hang out here? Marty Leeds is a... What, I don't, who cares? Who cares? Look at this. Look at it with your own two eyes. The G in Freemasonry stands for gay. I don't want to hang out with people like this. We're, we're, we're setting the bar higher, and anybody that's below that bar that says shit like this... Good day. I don't hate you. I'm not going to call out. You call you out or blah, 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 blah. But I don't really want to, you know, hang out with you. You're not invited to our garden party in this sort of sense. Okay? So let's talk about 
this ritual, what we're, what was being posted by this guy, Kyle is undercover. And it's the ritual of Hiram Abiff. It's the main, it's the main theatrics that are performed in the Masonic ritual. And we're going to watch every bit of the video that this guy posted. It's probably about 15 minutes and uh, we'll go into it. Okay. So we'll, and we'll talk about what the G actually means. Blah. So, um, the legend, so this is the legend of Hiram Abiff. This is the legend that's reenacted by those crazy loser Freemasons, right? The legend tells us one day that whilst worshiping the grand architect, that's God, within the Holy of Holies, that's a reference to your head, by the way, but Hiram was attacked by three ruffians called Jubela, Jubilo, and Jubilum, and known collectively as the Jews. Okay, now I, I think I'm the only person that I've ever seen, Mason, non-Mason, truth seeker, whatever it is, that has ever pointed out the fact that the main myth of Masonry calls out the same thing that, the, that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the Word, calls out all throughout the New Testament. The scribes and the Pharisees and the chief priests and the Jews. The ones that once again say, we're better than everybody. We're the chosen people. This whole enactment, little known to all of those flat earthers, all those people that think it's all gay and Satan worshiper, they're literally calling out the Satanists. That's what it is. Let's talk about that. All you people that hate on masonry, let's talk about that first. No, Freemasonry is, is Judaism for Gentiles, so says a rabbi. Now, basically, these three ruffians, the Jews, they demanded the master's word. What do you think the word is? It's, the, it's, the, it's ultimately the divine knowledge. But because they were ruffians and Jews, this Hiram Abif guy said, you ain't getting it. You didn't earn it. You're thieves. You're liars. You're murderers, just like your father, the devil. You compass land and sea and proselytize your Satanism. You're wicked. You're trying to destroy societies. We're not giving you shit. That's what this ritual is all about. It's, 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 it's the most honorable thing you could do. Not give divine knowledge to people that are going to pervert destroy, and distort it. It's all gay. Having finally located the grave of Hiram, after we'll, we'll go through this whole thing. Solomon and his fellow Masons, Masons exhumed the body. A search was made for the master's word, the name of God, but all that was found was the letter G. And this is where the G comes from. So no, it doesn't mean gay. Finding the word lost, a lament went up, said, Oh, Lord, my God, is there no help for the widow's son? The widow's son is basically, I'm not going to go into that today. That's a whole thing, but it's a reference to Old Testament lineage of Ruth, and she was a widow, and but that's anyway. That's that's more than we're going to go into today. But the um, the G the, the G that's in the Freemason symbol, uh, we'll we'll cover this all at the end. All the things, and we've we've done live stream several live streams on this, an entire sermon specifically on this. All the things that that encodes. The path of the sun, the septenary cipher, you know, it's, it's like the, our cosmology, uh, literally what we experience in our cosmology, the tools of the, the metaphysical language that is the mathematics, which is a, a, literally a language of God, all of it. But I don't want to understand any of it. I'm not going to research any of it. And I'm going to have a strong opinion. The G means gay. I think we all know who the gay one is now. It's, it's pretty damn clear. This is why people don't like me, because I have to say things. I have to say these things. I have no choice but to say these things. That G, once again, gives us the septenary cipher. It's the, it's the seventh letter. And seven equals 22, and 22 and seven are the first two numbers in your ascending number line that you can use to find the mathematical constant of pi. Facts, again. So that G gives you you know, verifiable, demonstrable mathematics. But 
once again, why I feel like the outcast of the outcast. Truthers, they don't give a shit. Most truth, they don't care. They'll have Marty on to talk about Sandy Hook or talk about Flat Earth. Or they'll talk about this and that. But when it comes to this sort of stuff, ah, it's just too much. I don't really want to understand it. So therefore, Gamatria is retarded. The Hiram of If is the Hiram. It's everything that we talk about and we'll talk about it, ne- um, I don't know if we'll do it next week, but the week after when we do Matthew chapter 25, specifically we'll talk about this. We've talked about it all the time. The Aries, the Arise. It's the high ram. It's the lamb, it's the ram, it's the word of God that's in the, in, in the, the light, the lamp, the lamb in your head. That's what it is. So the whole death and resurrection of this character is literally telling you about what? The Zodiac Man as well. And your process of spiritual rebirth, which is exactly what the Masons, or exactly, you know, what that whole theatrics, that drama ritual is all about. Seven and Aries, by the way, are, I'm just showing this to show all the stuff that's in that symbol. Seven and Aries there, six five 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 one one five 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 six. So in case we need any more proofs that, hey, this is about the high ram, it's about the Aries, it's about the lamb, it's about pi, right? There it is. Okay, so let's talk about the Hiram Abiff, and then we'll take a little break here quick. Hiram Abiff, this is the character of Hiram Abiff. He's usually by Yakin and Boaz, which is the, the um, I'm not even going to go into that today, too. That's a whole live stream right there, right? Yakin and Boaz um, actually give you a calendar mathematically. Like I said, I'm not even going to get into that, but it's the pillars of, um, that were outside of Solomon's temple, right? And so, um, and so we'll get into the Hiram Abiff character. Before, before we do that, though, one of the things that you'll always see um, a mason wear is an apron, okay? And so we're going we're gonna to listen to this and we'll go over the apron and the symbolism of the apron and then we'll, we'll get back to hear him a bit here. It is a badge of a mason. It is very important to all Masonic people that they wear aprons. The apron represents a symbol of my purity. And it tells me my, by my purity of life and conduct, I will gain admission into the celestial lodge above. It's a symbol of purity and, and conduct. That's what his, so most people are like, why do they wear aprons? Well, just ask them. Okay, and then I'll show you why the symbolism is so potent, potent and, 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 you know, powerful. Okay, so instead of asking any questions, oh, why you got, what is fags? Why are you wearing aprons? I don't, ask them, do some research, right? Then you'll, then you'll find out exactly what the Masons are saying is exactly what it is. It's a symbol of your purity. Okay, and ultimately your entrance into the celestial lodge. Okay, and we'll I'll, we'll go we'll go into that. No mason can be buried or have a masonic memorial service without that apron being on his body. You see how important the the symbolism is to these people. Keeping up this time honored tradition is one of the things that is so important in masonry. And actually, when you research the history of masonry, what you'll find, too, is that there are people that have gone in throughout the years and have tried to change things and have actually changed things, slight things here and there. In fact, the, 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 the globe, like when you see the globe on the pillars of Joaquin and Boaz, that was never originally there in the Masonic orders. And that the person that brought it was a globe manufacturer named Preston. Out of all people, um, I think it was Preston. And the order had a problem with it at the time. Well, it's like legit. Okay, so the Masons are hell-bent on, or heaven-bent, if you will, on keeping their rituals because they know that there's something very important in there. Okay? One can attend a Masonic church service without an apron on, and no lodge member may attend his lodge unless he first has his apron on. 
a symbol of purity of life and conduct. I would now like to explain to you the rough Ashler and the... Okay, we won't go into the rough Ashler and perfect Ashler stone, but that's what it is. A symbol of purity, a symbol of excellence, a a symbol of literally transforming the self from, as he's going to say, the rough Ashler stone or the crude Ashlar stone into um, the perfect Ashlar stone. And that's literally just as we're saying, it's leaving the old behind and cutting yourself, you know, cut, you know, cutting yourself into this new form is really what it's all about. The lambskin apron, you know how we talked about, we started this and the rites of passage and things like that and how the sexual energy of a, of a man is, you know, it's intensity, intensities. It's live at Budokan. It's three nights at Madison Square Gardens. It's some intense shit, right? Okay. So you, the whole point of that is to take that energy and purify it. Correct? Okay. Leave that with you. Why is the apron white? Because what is the symbol of white? Purity. The, the, this is the standard apron that you would get. I think it says uh, entered apprentice, I want to say, or something like that. You, the standard apron that you get is just a plain white apron. And then all, you know, ultimately, it's like, you know, there's, there's ornaments and things like that and that go on it. But ultimately, you give a, a plain white, pure apron. What is it representing? Purity, obviously. That's what white represents. That's why they wear white gloves. Oh, it's all stupid. Well, what is the symbolism of it? What does it mean? doesn't matter. Okay. So people think it's gay or loser or whatever to wear aprons. Okay. Well, like I, like I said the other day, our friend Chuck came and actually helped us build our rabbit tree. And the first thing that this master carpenter did was like, we need to go to the store and get aprons. Because <laughs> he's like, I can't do work without, unless I have this apron that's right in front of me, right? That has all my screws and, and nails and all this other stuff, Right. It's, it's a necessity for workers, carpenters, and <clears throat> masons. So this is what masons would wear. In other words, this is what masons would wear anyway. Forget about the lodge. Forget about Hiram Abiff and symbols and geometry, blah, blah, blah. Forget all of that. Just go and actually look at masons. What are they going to be doing? Master carpenters, just like Jesus was a carpenter. What is he going to be doing? Wearing an apron, for Christ's sake. But it's gay? Well, don't tell that to the guys that built your house. One of the things you'll see on the, is the all-seeing eye of God. Now, most people with the conspiracy theory mindset say, ah, it's the evil guys. So it is. See, it proves it. Does it? Does it? Or maybe you don't know shit. And it's okay not to know shit. If you, don't, if you say you don't know shit, then you're in the position to learn. If you say it's all bullshit and I don't need to know, then you're an ignoramus. Literally by definition. The lambskin apron. Remember that energy within men is incredibly powerful. It's a freaking stinger. It can drive. It can. It can drive men to madness, right? How many? How many guys get hooked on porn? How many guys get hooked on women and 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 you know chasing tail and being a player and all this other stuff because they are led around with that incredibly potent energy. What does the lambskin do? The lambskin, that pure white purity, goes right over your Johnson and Johnson. That's the symbolism of it. It's saying, I need to purify that. Otherwise, that shit's going to take hold of me and I'm going to be living in my lower natures. I'm going to be living in my lower state. I'm going to be going around sticking my, my penai into any hole that'll let me. I'll be, in this sort of sense, I am no, when I put that lambskin apron on, I am no longer thinking with my dick <laughs> to be crude and crass, right? You're dealing with an Irishman. That's what you got to deal with. Anyway. So it's a, it's a pure white apron. Then you put it over your Scorpio, your, your, you know, in this sort of sense, which is St. John. And what are you supposed to do? Lift it up to what? The lamb. The ram. Just like, just like you said, it's the high ram. Okay. Well, it's a lambskin apron. Why do you think that they chose lambskin? Do you see the symbolism now? 
We got to purify that vessel. We got to take that energy. We got to send it straight up. Just as St. John announced with glory the word, what do you have to do? Send that up into your Aries. Announce Christ within your own temple. There's the white, there's the lambskin, there's the reason for apron. Asking a few basic questions, you could actually get to the core of what this stuff means. You don't ask the questions, then I guess you don't ask the questions. This is what they tell you when they give you this. Listen to this. First time I read this, I like almost like shivered because I was like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. This is what they, the Masons tell you when they hand you this lambskin apron, right? My brother, I present you with a lambskin or white leather apron. It is an emblem of innocence and the badge of a Mason, more ancient than the golden fleece or Roman eagle, and when worthily worn, more honorable than the star and garter. Let its pure and spotless surface be to you an ever-present reminder of a purity of life and rectitude of conduct. Amen. A never-ending argument for nobler deeds, for higher thoughts, for greater achievements. And when at last your weary feet shall have come to the end of, your toil, of their toilsome journey, and from your grasp shall fall forever the working tools of life, may the record of your life and actions be as white and spotless as the emblem which I place in your hand tonight. May it be your portion to hear from him who sitteth as judge supreme the welcome words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. That's what Masons tell you when they hand you that lambskin apron that you put over your, your, you know, your private member. The apron, when we talk about the, the um, since time immemorial, since how long, not 200 years ago, as, as Jaron was saying, literally thousands of years as far as we can tell, that though apron, wearing aprons has been a, a huge part of ceremonies around the world, but not only that, it actually has some math to it. This comes from Frank C. Higgins, great esotericist. If you, you want to chew your, you know, take a bite out of esoterica, Frank C. Higgins is a great place to start. The apron, its traditions, histories, and secret significances. This book is all about the fact that the apron has been worn, this, this, this tool of the carpenter or the mason, has been worn, worn by the civilizations in these sort of uh, theatrical rites of passage rituals literally around the world. One of the things that's encoded in that is the proportions of the squared circle. There it is. I'm not going to go over this because it's a bunch of math, but you can put it on the screen. It's actually based on the chessboard. You go five up, three down, and the and the underneath the flap is literally the 7-11 pyramid or the 8-5 pyramid. So there it is. There's there's that. <laughs> so so you know. So there it is. So this is the, the from the same book. This is the aprons that they've, that they've you know, seen around the world in which ceremonies like these, people were wearing aprons. The one on the lower right there, I think that's a Mayan, I want to say. The left there, that's the Egyptian. They even show you the apron. You can see it's an apron. It's like a specific apron. Up in the, up in the left there, it's the ceremonial apron of the ancient people of Nicaragua. The tetracks, which literally across on the apron, <laughs> the cross of the Magi, literally the cross of the magicians. Holy shit. I think they might have known something, Right. Then there's the Peruvian painting of pottery. That's an, the apron. They've got the staff of the star at the top, Polaris. You know, we can start making sense of this stuff, but we have to move into the circles and the, 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 um, the traditions that actually taught what this stuff means. Guess what that tradition is? Freemasonry. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll get into the, um, the actual the Hiram of Biff 
ceremony and we're going to deconstruct a bunch of it, okay? So um, thank you to all the people that do support the fine work that we do here at the Gnostic Church. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, we're going to pass the basket. Venmo, buy me a coffee, cash app. Um, we, you can become a good buyer at Subscribestar. We have 54 good buyers. This is good. And uh, you can get PayPal as well. And then also if you'd like to send some snail mail, you can um, uh, send a letter, checks, just a, if you want to tell me off, you can send you can send a letter to Gnostic Academy, 7781 County Road, 3440 Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. And I'm going to play a song. If my It's freaking cold right now. <laughs> we don't have the heat on right now, so you don't hear the background noise. So I'm going to try to play this guitar riff with freezing cold fingers. Fingers are too cold. Guitar is too cold to be in tune, but we gave it a we gave it a whirl. Okay, by next week we should be in our yurt and not in a shed, and so things will <laughs> things will feel a lot better. Anyway, thank you to all the people that do support the fine fine work as <laughs> as it's all, as our roof is coming down. Thank you, so we can get a new roof. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, so now we're gonna take a look at um, this this um, undercover work that was done by Kyle is undercover. Kyle Clifton, America first, nationalist, Catholic. So apparently his, the, the pedophiles that run the Catholic Church told him that Freemasonry is bad, and he, he believed it. So I actually give Kyle his undercover some props because we are actually all about um, experience. Like, don't, you know, like, oh, you heard there's some bad stuff in Masonry? Well, go check it out, right? Go see, you know, go see for yourself. Like, you know, see with your own two eyes. That's important. So I actually give him some props for actually going in and, you know, you know, you know in this sort of sense, going undercover and exposing the Masons, right? Except the problem is, is that he assumes he exposed something and he didn't expose anything. <laughs> he, did, he literally exposed nothing. And then... With his, uh, as you'll see, he assumed a bunch of stuff that the Masons were doing and made claims that's absolutely false. So this guy is, even though I give him some props for being a, um, uh, it doesn't matter, the house is coming down. Even though I give him some props for being, uh, you know, having the balls to do that sort of stuff, his, at the end of the day, his research and his actual investigative skills is dog shit. It's dog shit. It's terrible. It's terrible. And I'll tell you why, right? Before we, before we, you know. So this is what this is what he did. It was like a four part, and I grabbed all four parts, and we're gonna watch all four, right? And it's just cut up from like two and a half hours or something like that, the entire ritual. But you know, he highlighted the important parts that were really scary and stuff, and we'll we'll go over it. So this is what it is, and you know, he claimed it was all like Jewish and all this other stuff. By the way, there was some Masons in these comment sections. <laughs> this is the funniest thing. It's the funniest thing. Some of these Masons in the comment section were like, "Dude, you didn't, it, you didn't really." expose anything and none of the masons really give a shit that you actually saw what was going on in the lodge 
that that's generally the theme that you'll hear from most Masons. They're like, so what? Who cares, right? I'm sure there were some Masons that were pissed off or whatever because they, you know, it's not like it's a everybody thinks the same and that sort of thing. But this is some of the comments like, hey, there's always that one piece of shit person who has absolutely no life trying to ruin others, has to expose a brotherhood secret for anyone to see something that is boring and not a big deal. But he exposed it so he can stick his chest out for no reason to his 66 subscribers or whatever. You know, now now is now actually do actually what you should do is now go into um, like uh, Agenda 21. How about you sneak in there? How about you sneak in there? And sneak into the White House and see see what's going on in there. So um, and he's like he doesn't realize that what he is doing is more cringe than their little play. And it's in, in one sense, it's true, because when he when he tried to expose it, he's like, I already had a preconceived bias. They're all demon worship and devil worship. And then nothing of the sort went on in there. Every in the comment section, it was hilarious because there was a lot of people that were like, wait, where's all the dead babies? <laughs> where's all the child trafficking? Where's the satan? Where's the actual Satanism? It was kind of funny. <clears throat> and then so people don't understand any of it. And they're just like, well, oh, maybe they aren't sacrificing children or uh, I, wh where's the disemboweled goat? Oh, well, maybe they're not doing that, but it's still losers. My coworker, this guy said, my coworker is a 33rd degree master. And, uh, and he said, what happened in this video is authentic, and it is, and is little upset that some of these secrets were exposed. It's like, who gives a shit? <laughs> you thought, Kyle is undercover, thought he was going to go in and expose the Masons, and he didn't do anything. He didn't do literally nothing. Why do I say this? Because we've actually already covered this, I think, a couple different times over the years, and I think once since we've started this church, that you that the thing that he went undercover to expose, the Freemasons put online for you to see. Oh Lord, my God, is there no help for the widow's son? <laughs> this is from a VHS tape. This is like back when there was beta, right? So you can see, right? This is a handheld camera or whatever. And this is a video that they put out for people to see exactly what went on in a Masonic Lodge. The body cannot be raised by them. So, you know, just, it was like, so they put this out. This kid went through all the trouble of dressing up like a Mason and going in and having his secret camera and all this other stuff. And yet he didn't even bother to Google it. He didn't even bother to look online to find out exactly that the Masons show you what goes on in there. Now, as you'll see here, what the Masons show you what's going on in there is pretty much exactly what the kids saw. You know why? Because the Masons aren't lying. <laughs> they just know that there are idiots out there that have no intention of trying to understand the mysteries, and so they're never going to understand this stuff. So they don't bother trying to explain any of it to you. They actually do explain it. They actually do explain this stuff in their own literature, but they don't bother trying to tell you because they already know that those people have no interest in actually understanding it. Welcome to the flat, welcome to the flat earth world. Welcome to flat earth. 99.999% of the people are this. They have no interest. You could look this shit up online, see it yourself, and you'd still be like, ugh. So, Kyle is undercover. Your research sucks. I'll give you some props for going in and checking it out yourself. You got some balls there. Congratulations, but your research is dog shit. Sorry. I get to be harsh, but okay, so here's Hiram Abiff. So Hiram Abiff, the story of Hiram Abiff is, as you know, there was three ruffians, and they demanded the master's word, and these were the Jews, and he didn't give it up because they were, because they were ruffians, because they were literally evil, specifically evil, and they had no intention of actually using that word for the good of humanity. They used the, this is the way they, they killed him, they took the 24-inch gauge, they smacked him on, I think on the head, or I forget where it is, or on the 
on the breast or whatever, and then they use the square, and I think they hit him on the neck or something like that, and then the gavel, they finally pounce him on the head. And these are these are the tools of masonry. So basically, in other words, the symbolism there is that the tools of carpentry, artistry, to make the temples and stuff like that, these these divine tools, right, will be used against good people. This is exactly what I've been saying literally for years, that what does Satan do? He wraps himself up in darkness. Satan bathes the light in darkness. He tries to go in and be like, ah, this stuff's evil and stuff like that. So you run away from it. Or they actually use, um, you know, like, you know, positive things, things that are full of light against humanity because they invert it, they pervert it. That's exactly what this is all about. Okay. Here in Mabif, then these are all, once again, Masons make illustrations of exactly what goes on in the lodge. <laughs> Just people don't believe it. You'll see exactly what's going, this is exactly what they do. It's a it's a it's a mock it's a mock death. It's a it's a <clears throat> it's a dramatic death and a resurrection. And then you'll see what happens to the ruffians. It's freaking hilarious. So there's there's another illustration of that. I just want to say this, and this is somebody I think that had mentioned last time. This is not um, I forget I forget who said this or whatever. But so I, I I'm giving credit to him, but I don't know who it is. But Jubelo, Jubila, and Jubilum that are collectively known as the Jews. They were demanding the, the, the lost Masonic word, they were the master's word. And then Hiram Abiff, the high ram, didn't give it to him because they were unworthy, because he was pure. The Jubelo, Jubala, and Jubalum, A, U, A, the difference is the, the O, the A, and the U-M. Well, the symbol, the Aum, which is the Hindu word, right? This is this, the, the, the syllable, essentially, that came out of the mouth of God. Literally just the same thing in, 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 um, um, in you know, the Christian or the, you know, the biblical story, right? The word, the light that created everything is known as the Aum. And it's literally spelled A-U-M or O-M in English. That's how it's spelled. And so these three were looking for the, the lost Masonic word. <laughs> it was encoded within their own names. And they tried to get it through what? Thievery, force, violence. And so guess what? The funny thing is, is ah, you know what? Everybody has the word. You just got to discover it for yourself. You can't try to find it externally. So these Jews, they all had the word, funny enough. But they didn't do any, they didn't actually purify the spirit to find it. Jubilo, Jubela, and Jubilum give you om or aum. But they didn't get it. They didn't get that word because they're Jews. So this is how long, this is some illustrations of the Hiramabif ritual. It's a literally like a, um, you know, a, a mock death or whatever you want to say. So a bunch of bunch of old illustrations, just to show you how ancient this is. And this was back in a time there where where like being regal and ceremony and ritual was absolutely respected and understood for what it was. It's all gone in our. I'm not all gone, but for the most part, it's gone in our society. And like I said, this is one of the reasons our society is so pardon my language, but fucked up. So here's here Biff. This alchemy, raising from the dead, always about resurrection. As we see, when you talk about, you literally go around the world, and what do they have? Death and resurrection. There's just no question about it. What are you doing? You're building one of the other things that he's doing is Hiram Abiff was the master architect of Solomon's temple. Okay? <clears throat> Solomon's temple. This is the verse, it's Kings, 1 Kings 7, or I want to say something like that. I forget. I think it's 1 Kings 7.23. I might be wrong about that. But it's the chapter in, uh, in which king, they, they talk about the building of King Solomon's temple. So here, and King Solomon's temple is ultimately what? It's, a, it's an allegory for building your temple, building your spiritual temple. 
in this chapter, this is the chapter which gives you pie, but they give it to you incorrectly in the Old Testy. And he made a molten sea, 10 cubits from one brim to the other. It was round all about, and his height was five cubits, and a line of 30 cubits did compass it round about. So there was 10 cubits from one brim to the other, and then 30 around. That doesn't make any sense. That's geometrically incorrect. And they even specifically say this thing was round. It was round, and it was round about, it was round all about. So they give in the very verse, in the very chapter, in which, the, in, in which they're talking about the building of Solomon Temple, which is an allegory for building your own temple, which is what Hiram Abiff did. That's why he was the master architect. They give you pie incorrectly. Why? Because they were idiots. Because the people that wrote the Bible didn't know shit. No, it's to challenge you. It's specifically there for you to read those lines and be like, wait a second, that's not pie. I w- does pie have something to do with this? <laughs> As you'll see, it does. Okay, so they give you pi incorrectly. Is it because they didn't know math? No, it's because they did know math and they were making you question things, just like masonry does. If you don't ask the questions, then you remain an ignoramus. Solomon built him a house. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What house will ye build me, saith the Lord? Or what is my place of rest? Hath not my, not, not, excuse me, hath not my hand made all these things? Just as we say God owns and created everything, everything. The problem with our society is we don't recognize that anymore. So Solomon built him a house. He spiritually erected his temple. How be it, where does that the most high dwell? In temples not made with hands. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. Solomon's temple is all about the temple that, that God resides in, which is your temple. It's the real temple. The entire allegory is about that. The entire theatrics is about that. This is Solomon, even Saul, Om, An. Om is the word. Soul is son. And on is actually a, 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 a word for the setting sun. This comes from Higgins, once again, Frank C. Higgins. Irrespective of, irrespe- listen to this. I could have wrote this, right? I should have wrote this. I'm not that good of a writer, though. Irrespective of its application to a historical character, the name Solomon was a Kabbalistic composition intended profoundly to symbolize divine wisdom. Amen, Mr. Frank. The outward form of the name expressly, precisely, expressed precisely the same symbolism as the three principal officers of the Masonic Lodge. In Masonry, three is all over the place. They'll knock three times, three times to enter. There's three degrees. Why? No, there's not 33 degrees. There's three degrees in the Blue Lodge. The pen and body is 33 degrees. That's another thing that most people don't understand. But the outer form of the name expressed precisely the same symbolism as the three principal officers of the Masonic Lodge. The sun rising in the east, the soul. The sun at the meridian in the south, Om, and the setting in the west, On. Sol and On are actually ancient symbols. Just like you turn the light on, what happens? Well, the light comes on, right? It's a symbols for light. So it's basically light, the word of God, which is light, light. That's what Solomon is. It's light all day long. That's literally what his name means. These three names taken separately were also very old and in a variety of ways connected all that men had discovered of the wonders of the universe, showing that they were but varying aspects of the great Jehovah, the great singular God, God Almighty, the grand architect of the universe. Okay? Um, I just want to, so let's, uh, let's watch the ceremony. So this is the mock, mock exit. Okay. This is just the intro. Blah. 
So this is one of the, the guy right there is playing the role of the ruffian and he's coming up and he's like, give me the word. And he's like, this is not the time nor place for, or, for building the temple, even though like that's what the whole allegory is about. He's literally saying, oh, this is not the time. I don't have the patience for building the temple. Just give it to me. I'm not going to work for it. I'm not going to earn it. I'm not going to go through the trials in order to actually receive it and understand it. Just give it to me, says the Jew. You can't, in this rude and violent manner, you can't demand those secrets because the secret of a divine knowledge isn't given up to somebody who's a piece of shit. You have passed Jubilant, Jubilant. Me, you cannot pass. My name is Jubilant. Well known for my determination of character. Well known for my determination of character, says the Jew. Hmm. <laughs> what I understand is that I do. Give me the secret of a master mason instantly, or I will take your life. I will not. He does not, when threatened with his life, he does not give up divine knowledge. That's a warrior. That's a warrior of God right there. That's the most noble thing you could do. These people are evil. They're wicked. They're insane. They're psychopathic. They're demanding through violence that he give up this, this ancient divine knowledge. And he's holding it and saying, no, absolutely not. You might as well kill me. And that's exactly what happens. What still persists? Then die. And there's the mock execution of the initiate, which most people think, oh, look at these sane worshipers. Look at the guys in the audience. They're, a lot of those Freemasons look bored. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh, another initiate's coming in. We've been through this so many times. We keep watching. Some of these guys just seem bored. It's like, they, it's like they're sitting in Catholic Mass after a hangover or something like that. Joking, but you know what I mean. And then they, they carry him off. What horrible deed is this? We've slain the Grandmaster Hiram Abiff. In other words, they knew what they were doing was evil. There's not like, oh, forgive them for they know not what they do. Nope, that's not the situation here. They knew that they were trying to steal the Master's word, that they did not, that they did not earn it. And not only that, when they did not get it, they murdered, they killed no time for reflection. No time for reflection, he says. No time to actually think about anything. What shall we do with the body? We'll hear it. We'll bang the brothers to the temple and discuss what to do with it. Agreed. And so then these, these ruffians, they take the body away and they go bury him. Now, the initiate, we'll talk about this, is they shovel dirt and stuff like that and temporary burial, that sort of thing. The initiate um, is wearing blindfolds the whole time. And I'll tell you why. Now, notice there, like, this is what people will see. You see that up, upside down pentagram there? That's perp. That's obviously the devil right there. Actually, that's a symbol for the Eastern uh, Order of the Eastern Star, which is female masonry. 
a, a, an upside down pentagram, and quote me on this, an upside down pentagram is not necessarily a symbol for the devil. Actually, when you, you see a pentagram or a star that's not drawn perfectly, sometimes that's the st- symbol for the devil or what has been used. But the star actually, there's five points of, as you'll see, there's five points of the brotherhood and they you know, touch shoulders and all that sort of stuff. Those, what does the star represent? As we know, and we'll cover it again as we move forward, it's phi. It's literally, it's phi. It's the golden racial golden mean. It's literally a, one of the mathematical constants in which your body, the temple, grows into facts. Facts. You can measure it yourself. And so there's that. We'll, we'll keep going here. So here's the next part. Oh, let me just say this. Um, why, the, why the black and white floor? Let's talk about this a second. Why the black and white floor? So a lot of, a lot of times in Masonic, you'll see this. Masonic um, lodges, you'll see that. That's one of the main themes. It's black and white floor. And then people, I don't know what people assume. They don't understand any of it. And then there's just, well, you see black and white floors anywhere. And that's devil worship or something, right? So I don't know if you see there um, in the center, they have that right by the, by the altar, which is where you alter yourself. You alter and change yourself. That's why alter, A-L-T-E-R and A-L-T-A-R are exactly the same phonetically. That symbol right there says what? Faith, hope, and charity. Those are the three, <laughs> those are the three cardinal virtues that are found in the New Testament. Not the Torah, not the Talmud. No, that's New Testament shit. Faith, hope, and charity. Faith in God, hope for the future, and, and love in action to your community and friends and neighbors. That's what it means. This black and white floor, you see, is exactly the same symbols as the hunapku, or the yin-yang, or the symbolism of pi, the geometry of pi. When you're down here on earth, what do you have to deal with? You're always, there's always the interplay of what? Good and evil. Day and night. Spirit and matter. That's what it's emblematic of. It's also a reference to chess. Chess encodes a bunch of stuff. I'll do that at some point. I've done it before. It's in the books. But it's also a, a, um, it's a relationship to the very regal and divine game of chess, which is a game for kings. Okay? So that's what that, that floor represents. All right, let's go back to them carrying Hiram Abiff. Let's make our escape out of the kingdom, the Jews say. What is the kingdom? What is this an allegory for? Your spiritual ascent. Do you think that they're going to get up to Polaris and up and out of here? No. Those Jews, those ruffians, those, those scribes and Pharisees that just murdered and demanded the divine word? Let's get out of the kingdom. Let's let our souls escape from here. Do you think they escape? In the Masonic tradition, do you think they escape? No, they don't. Also, when you talk about, let's get out of here, well, let's keep going. He's very mad. Let us hail. Hail, Captain, hail. Hello. Is that your ship yonder? It is. Whither are you bound? To Ethiopia. Do you take passengers? I do. Will you take us? I will, if you have King Solomon's pass. We have no pass, but we have money. And we will pay you your demands. <laughs> so the Jews, they want to get out of there. They want to escape the kingdom. And there's a ship to take them out of there. And they're like, well, do you have King Solomon's pass? Do you have the secret password to get out of the kingdom? 
so that your soul can travel up and unify with God. And they're like, no. But these Jews, you know what they do have? We have money. <laughs> we, got, well, we, don't, we don't have any divine knowledge or, and we're, we haven't purified our soul. And there's no reason that we should get up and out of this, you know, this earthly plane. But uh, will money do? You guys remember when we did, it was, I think, chapter 11 or 12 or something like that. And at the end of the chapter, it's Simon Peter and, and Jesus and they're going, they're supposed to pay the money to the temple. And then Jesus is like, well, just go into the whale and grab the, grab the money in there and use that coin to pay. The, and that's literally a joke about the fact that Jews worship money. Here's the Hiram Abiff ritual making the same joke. What do Jews worship? Themselves and money. And they don't give a shit about anybody else. And here's a ritual so you can see that. You cannot go, for I have strict orders not to take workmen from the temple out of the country unless express permission from King Solomon. What shall we do? Ah, forget about that. You express permission from what? Somebody who had, in this sort of sense, what is it an allegory for? Once again, the divine knowledge. You can't get up there unless, ah... You got the word. And these ruffians, like the whole theatrics is like, ah, whatever, screw this guy. Forget about that whole divinity thing. Let us turn back into the country. Agreed. Let us turn back into the country. Agreed. Huh. You mean like the countries of the world? So the Jews, they don't get into heaven. And then they're turned away because they don't have the word, which is Christ. And then what do they do? <clears throat> they go out into other countries. They go into other countries to spread their Satanism. They become international Jews, if you will. Get it? Now, imagine if you're the initiate and, you've, and you don't know what's going on, right? And you undergo all this and, uh, you know, just imagine yourself in that scenario, right? And as you'll see at the end when they actually take the blindfold off, it's like this amazing, it's amazing moment, really. So when they're going around saying, have you seen Grandmaster Hiram Abiff? Have you seen Grandmaster Hiram Abiff? What are they doing? Well, Grandmaster Hiram Abiff had the word. He had the divine truth. So what are these Masons doing? What's the symbolism? They're out looking for divine truth. They're like, you got the word? Hey, do you got the word? Who's got the word? What discoveries have you made? So the fellow craft has returned, and then the king orders them to be what? Murdered. Why? Because they murdered King Solomon, right? This is justice. That's what it is. These Jews, these ruffians, try to get out of here with money and they killed them. What are they doing? Ah, murder them now. They get what they deserve. <laughs> so once again, when people say the screams, oh, you can hear screams in the Masonic Lodge. And then you realize that they're literally doing a theatrical performance. And then why are the screams? Because evil is being destroyed. 
Now they're going to raise the body. It's a resurrection. So now, what do they do? By the way, they're going to raise the body of Hiram Abiff. They're going to arise, Aries arose. They're going to raise the body of Hiram the high ram Abiff. Then what these guys do, as you'll see, is what do they do? They, I'll let this play. But what they're doing is circumambulating around, once again, when you say, why do, why do they wear these white gloves and why the aprons and why the stupid rituals and why the screams and why the death? And it's like, doesn't mean anything. It's all stupid. They're circumambulating just like the, just like, just like the Muslims circumambulate around a big giant cube. What does the circumambulating do? Notice that they're not go. Notice that when it, whenever you look at a clock, right, or when you look at the heavens, what is it doing, right? What is it doing? It's circling above us. Everything is circling above. So basically, what are they doing? They're in, in in this sense. They're like it's a reflection of nature. And the the Muslims do this. There's like, do you know how many cultures do circumambulation? It's like a whole thing. So the Masons are literally just doing a time honored tradition. And it's like, oh, it's all gay, right? What is, what is ultimately the, the transition up into heaven is, is through Polaris in this sort of sense, right? Polaris represents the point in our cosmology where the soul travels up and out of the firmament into total unity with God, okay? Everything is revolving around that. And all they're doing is basically, this is a, 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 a dramatic ritual of the motions of the heavens. <laughs> As we journey through here below, through a pilgrimage of woe, in other words, what are they saying? We are born from the stars. We've fallen. We've come down here into a place where good and evil, that's exactly what's below them, the black and white checkerboard floor is, and it's a, and it's a pilgrimage of, well, this is the only place that woes happen. This is the only place that sadness happens. This is the only place that suffering and death happens is on earth. This, ah, I'm not even going to get to that. They're literally sending to the, the, the funeral come, wait for our friend and brother home. They're literally saying this is, all a, this is all a spiritual metaphor for your spiritual rebirth. And as they're going to raise Hiram Abiff, Hiram Abiff up, they're like, send him home to God. Bring him back to the total unity of God Almighty. It's a beautiful thing. It's an unbelievably beautiful thing. And I'm so sick and tired of hearing people trash on it and having no intention of actually understanding it. Well, this is what masonry actually separates the men from the boys, the wheat from the chaff. Lord of all, beloved and, uh, above and below. In other words, God created everything. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. 
Lord above, God above and below of everything, fill our souls with truth and love. Huh. Pretty gay, huh? It is kind of gay. It is, in this sort of sense, it's gay. It's happy. <laughs> Basically, this whole thing is I'm saying, we know what the trials and tribulations and the terrors and the up, you know, the, all the pitfalls of life and how woe it is down here and the suffering and the death and your, all this sort of stuff, right? And through all of that, you know what we're asking you to do? Fill our souls with truth and love. That's what they're saying. That's what they're doing. Tell me, explain to me how this is satanic loser shit. It's, I, I find all of that, the people that trash on this stuff, I find it disgusting. I do. Who do you think the Lodge on High is? It's heaven. These old guys. Look at these guys. <laughs> the notion that those guys are Satan worshipers because they're doing this stuff is ridiculous. Okay, so now let's. This is the last. One. No, there's there's two more here. This is the resurrection of the secret handshakes. What's up with the secret handshakes? We'll tell you. What are they forming up at the top there? What are they forming at the top there? You tell me, geometrically, what are they, what are they doing? Number one, they're creating a, a um, in, in this sort of sense, a metaphysical lodge. That's a roof over what? The, the dead body, which is what? The, the, the soul that's within the temple that's going to rise again. They're surrounded by the black and white, the good and evil that the, that, that soul had to undergo in his woes, in his trip down here on earth. And now they're going to resurrect this, which is this representation of the spiritual resurrection. Not, not, oh, Lucifer, my, my savior. Not, oh, Satan, I worship you. Oh, Lord, my God. Oh, Lord, my God. Oh, Lord, my God. Is there no help for the widow's son? They say it three different times. So why don't we just take them for, at their face value? Why do we have to imagine and, and not even t take any of this stuff, you know, actually read the literature or anything like that? Why do we just have to assume it's all Satan worshiper? No, they're literally, it's, you'll see, it's biblical. It's New Testament shit. Lord, my God, is there no help for the widow's son? Brother Habitat, you will raise the body by the grip of an inner thankfulness. So there's the three stages of masonry, the entered apprentice, the fellowship craft, and the master mason, right? And the whole point of the whole ritual is that when you become the master mason, you go through those three steps of initiation, and when, only when you become a master mason can you actually raise the spirit up and actually start, do, in this sort of sense, start doing that spiritual, actual spiritual work, right? So what they do is, they, this whole thing is they try to raise them by, all oh, the lower degrees, you can't do it because you're still in the lower animal atavistic state. They go to that second degree and they try to raise them again. They say, I can't do it. Because you're not ready. You haven't prepared yourself. You're still an ignorant little fool. Now, on the third handshake, then you become the master mason and then you rise up. And I'll show you what the master, that third handshake encodes. It's pi. Having 
having been dead, why 15 days? Why 15? Does anybody, if, if you, most of you, if you've paid attention, you know that your hand, I wish I had the graphic here. I should have bought the graphic, but the hand represents 15 degrees. On If you put your hand out, which is what they're doing, they're literally putting their hand out to the dead body. When you put your hand out and actually measure the sun, your hand measures 15 degrees on the horizon of that sun. It's, this, it's the sexagesimal system that's literally encoded on your hands. And they're raising the sun, in this sort of sense, the light within him up. And you will endeavor to raise the body by the true grip of a photograph. Could you imagine back in the, if you were back in the day and you were like at the Egyptian pyramids and they were doing this shit, could you, could you imagine like the feeling and being in the, the, the time and the, like once the ceremony and the regality, the whole thing, we've lost all of that. And then we look at this and it's like, oh, it's all stupid. The body cannot be thus raised. The flesh cleaves from the bone. The flesh cleaves from the bone. The flesh cleaves from the bone. It can't be raised. Why is that? Um, well, because oh, I don't have the graphic here. I don't think I have the graphic here. Shoot, that's all right. But because flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's one of the lines of the Bible because guess what? Your, your, your bones and your flesh doesn't get up there because it's the metaphysical realms. Your spirit does. Your, your metaphysical does. So what they're saying is, hey, they're trying to lift this guy up into the higher realms with that second handshake. But guess what? Ah. The flesh cleaves to the bone, which means he's not going to raise up. And then they pray to God. Oh, God, Notice our highs and our lows in this life. And understand that our thoughts are afar off. Our thoughts are not always with you, God. We have to bring them back. We have to bring it to the center. The ruffians. And support us under the trials and afflictions which we are destined to endure. In life. Traveling through this veil of fear. Amen. Man that is born of woman is of, a, is of few days and full of trouble. What does that mean, man is born of woman? It means you're born on earth through the women, woman. It's, it's when you say few of days, it means we don't live that long a life. 72 years, 80 years, 100 years. Hopefully we all live a long, healthy life, but we don't have that much time here. We're born of the woman. We're born into physicality, and that's what the whole thing is about. He cometh forth as a flower and is cut down. He sleeps as well as a shadow and continues not. Seeing that his days are determined... Tree is cut down and then it'll sprout again. What is that? What is it? Death and resurrection. It's exactly what it is. And there's the hope that it'll spring again. And that the tender branch, therefore, will not cease. But man dieth and wasteth away. Yeah, man giveth up the ghost and wears his heat. As the waters fail, 
fell from the sea, and the flood decayed, and dried up, so man lieth down, and rises not up, till the heavens shall be no more. Yet, O Lord, have compassion on the children of thy creation, and minister them comfort in the time of trouble. Sounds pretty demonic. Have compassion and <laughs> deliver them from trouble and save them with the everlasting salvation. Pretty demonic, huh? Save them with everlasting salvation. Amen. So would it be? So mode it be. Equals 42. My mind is now clear. My mind is now clear. My Aries is now purified. My head is purified. I'm no longer an ignoramus. I'm no longer stupid. I'm no longer lost. And now the skin slips from the flesh. Why? The, 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 in this sort of sense, it's because the spirit is being allowed to raise up. The slips from the flesh and the flesh clings from the bone. There is yet still strength in the lion of the tribe of Judah. The body shall be raised on the five points of fellowship. And the first word spoken or uttered after the body is raised will be a substitute being some natural word. So basically, so now they're going to raise the body up and he's going to be reborn, right? This is this rites of passage. And then they're saying, hey, we're going to substitute this word for the lost Masonic word. You know why? Because the lost Masonic word is lost. The whole point of it is to actually find it. Well, this is what we do here at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. And then we give you loads of material, live streams, lectures, you know, documentaries and books to show that you can prove it yourself. Who's doing the proofs? Who's doing the proofs? Leah is asking, I'm sure Marty would know the deeper meaning of the women being called the Eastern Star. What is the star that rises in the east? It's the sun. As the sun is rising. As the, literally, as I'm saying that, we're actually getting sun in here. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> My wife is freezing. <laughs> so the Eastern Star is literally a representation of the sun rising in the east, which is what? When the sun dies, it sets. And then it's dead for what? All night until what? It resurrects again. The entire story of death and resurrection is literally encoded in the diurnal cycle of the sun. It's, in, you know, it's what it's all based on. So the order of the eastern star. There's an order. There's a pattern and an order and a, and of this creation because there's an intelligent force behind it. And it's from the east, which is where the sun rises, and it's a star which ultimately represents what? Of course, the light and all of that sort of thing. So... So they raised him with the, uh, uh, let me go back here, sorry. They raised him with the strong grip of the lion's paw, right? The final grip will be given to the resurrection of the dead. So then they reach down and they, oh, they lift him up, boom. Right, now he's got the, the strong grip of the lion's paw. Now, what is the lion's paw? So this is the, these are the Masonic handshakes, right? And once again, native tribes, indigenous tribes, that sort of stuff had handshakes. They had secret codes, passwords. Were they all gay too? Grip of an entered apprentice, apprentice uh, to the grip of fellowship craft, etc. cetera, past, past grip of a master mason, right? You also have to understand times, just like we're in right now, where there's censorship and, and truth is being attacked, there has been many times in history in which you had to be quiet in order to say the shit you had to say, or you have to go like, you know, into, you know, dark corners of the internet where you're not going to get censored in order. What do you think the bears do? 
<laughs> what do you think? Speaking of like the the the, the bear community in Owen, they actually had to have like a, a secret Instagram account, so so you know so that they wouldn't get shut down and stuff like that. There have been times in history in which you had to be silent. In other words, you had to be quiet, be quiet, or you know say these things under your breath, if you will, because of how much how how much evil was prevalent. Okay, it's happening now. Oh, we're not going to say this shit on YouTube. We got to go over to Rockfin. So we got to be kind of like a secret society about it. This sort of sense. Only the people that are Rockfin, right? It's just a, a, an iteration of what's going on here, right? So the real grip of a master's mason is the lion's paw. It's the last one there. Well, paw in the lion, by the way, is what? The lion is the heart in the Zodiac Man. Why this stuff is important. The lion is the heart. It's the strong grip of the lion's paw. What raised Hiram Abiff? from the dead. Freemasonry, by the way, is synonymous with geometry. Masons will tell you that. You can, re you can read it yourself. You could look at their symbolism and <laughs> extract that themselves. What do you think it takes to be a mason or a carpenter? An advanced knowledge of geometry and mathematics, full stop. Okay, so now they're raising this master mason up from the dead. And what are they raising him with? The strong grip of a lion's paw. The lion's paw represents the heart. They're raising it from the heart. You've purified your vessel and you purified your fucking heart. And then you raise up and what do you do? With the 314 of the paw. By the way, the G in the Freemasonic compass, what does it do? It encodes pi. You see what's going on here? You see what's being missed if we just throw this out, the baby out with the bathwater? If we say, I don't need to understand any of it, it's all faggotry. See what's missed? You see why I get so hard in the paint with this stuff, guys? You see why I get so passionate about it? Because I'm not going to let this die. I don't care how much I'm hated. I don't care how much shit I get. I don't care how many people are like, oh, that Gnostic Academy is nonsense. I don't care. I don't care. You're, you, you don't, you know, I'm not yelling at you guys or anything like that, but there's loads of people that don't know, which is fine if you don't know. But if, you're good, if you don't know in trash, then you've crossed the line because this is my tradition. I might not be a mason as a, like going down to the lodge and stuff like that and performing these ceremonies and stuff like that. You know why? Because I do think sometimes wearing hats and gloves is sometimes silly. That might not be my forte. But what these guys are teaching, the, the, the moralities and the ethics and everything that comes with this order is exactly what we do here. It's part of, it's part of the mystery school tradition, which I honor and extol the virtues. That's why I get so passionate about it. I would not be doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for Freemasonry. You're resurrected by the word of God, which is what? In the, in the mathematical language, that's pi. And that's exactly what the Freemasonic compasses and square tells you about. Then they connect the five points of their bodies. What's the five points? Well, this is, once again, oh, here's, this is this, sorry. Geometry. In the modern rituals, geometry is said to be the basis which the superstructure of masonry is erected. And in the old constitutions of middle, medieval Freemasons of England, the most prominent place of all the sciences is given to geometry which is made synonymous with masonry. So if people come along and be like, masonry is all gay and stupid and retarded, you might as well be saying geometry is stupid and gay and retarded. The very thing that keeps your house erect is stupid. You see the problem here? A little bit of, re this comes straight from the Masonic Encyclopedia. Did anybody actually go and try to challenge it or read it or try to understand? I did, and I dedicated my life to it. So then they're saying, hey, all of this stuff has a geometric metaphor. Then they do the five points of their bodies together and they whisper the password. What's the five points? It's a fingerprint of God. It's the design signature of creation. It's phi. It's the five fingers of your hand and on your left and your right and your toes. 
Again, this is not secret stuff. I did not have to judge. By the way, I know all of this shit. I could have told, before that Kyle is undercover kid went in and exposed masonry, I could have told you exactly what went on. I could have told him before he went in there, I said, this is what you're going to experience. And then when he went and experienced it, everything I would have said would have been true. And you know what I've never done? I've never undergone the Masonic initiation. You know why? Because this shit is actually not secret. It's not secret at all. That's why the Masons didn't even give a shit that this went out. Most of the Masons that I, you know, like I said, comment section, things like that, no one gave two shits. They're just like, oh, well, whatever. <laughs> Do you understand any of it? No. I guess it doesn't matter, does it? So this is phi. This is found on your arm. This is found on your human body. The, the, the proportions of literally plants grow from this ratio. The proportions of your ear, the proportions of your body. All of this can only be understood if you actually take masonry slash geometry seriously. Mahabon. Then they whisper the, the secret word, which is Mahabon. What does that mean? Do I even have? Oh, I do. Okay. I, we'll, we'll go to that in just a second. I'll play the rest of this. Lion's paw. And then like, yeah. And you're saying, yeah, now congratulations, right? In this sort of sense, you've, you've, you've elevated yourself by your own, right, by autodidactically. You decided to choose to do all this, uh, this stuff. And then we'll talk about the oaths here. That'll be the next one. You chose to do all this stuff. You went through on your own accord. You decided, you said... I want a better spiritual life. I want to know more. I want to actually educate myself. I want to be educated in the seven classic liberal arts. I want to know what these things mean. And you went and underdid it. And then you, after the whole thing, they're like, congratulations. You just underwent the very thing that your spirit has to undergo in order for you to rejoin with God. Let's talk about the Let's talk about Mahabon. We'll get into this. Um, sorry, wrong one. Mahabon. They give you this, and it's this really weird, really weird sort of term or whatever password that a lot of people don't really have an understanding of. And I'm going to give you my best shot at it of what what I what I think it means. And I think I think once I tell it to you, I, you don't, it'll understand. So all of this stuff, as we know, if you've been following along with the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ, is all based on the phalanges of your hands. A lot of this stuff is literally based on the the order and pattern that God has created for us. That's literally put right in front of us. Okay, so when they give you the master's word, they, this, this substitute word for what is ultimately pi, they give you the mahabon. They say mahabon. And then what does this mean? Well, there's lots of masons that will tell you, well, the original Hebrew means this, and this is what it means, and it's blah, 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 right? But it's, one of, it's a yet another one of these things that it's a mystery, because that's what masonry is, mysteries. Why? Be to entice people. To make, to, it's a mystery, so you can literally, for you to be like, what's going on in there? What are they doing? What the fuck does that mean? And then for you to actually ask the questions. So ma-ha-bon. Three syllables, by the way. Ma, which is what? It's the root of the word like mother, mater, material. That's what it is, ma. That's why you call your ma-ma, right? What is the mother? It's the earth. It's the physical world. That's what it is. That's why it's called mother earth. That's why it's fa This is completely lost by most Christians because they have 
zero understanding of mysticism or the, the actual terminology within their Bible, you know, they always say, Father in heaven, Father in heaven. What does that mean? Well, there's, if there's a father, there's got to be a mother. Where's that? It's Mother Earth. It's the material dimension. So Ma is a reference to the fact that you're in the earth, the physical. Ha is what? Just say ha, ha. What is that? What is that to you? Well, it's this, it's used variously to express surprise, wonder, triumph, that sort of thing. Like, ah, ha, 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 that sort of thing, right? Even if you look at the original Hebrew letter of he, which is, which is basically the H-E or H-E-Y, it's, it's, um, it's phonetically directed to ha, right? So it's this, and it literally means to reveal or a man with his arms raised, which is exactly what you do when you say ha ha. It's like a, it's, a, it's an epiphany. It's a moment of clarity where you're like, ah, I get it. I get it. Ha, that sort of thing. So you're in the physical material world, the, the mate or the mother, then just as they're doing, this is they're saying, they did that whole circumambulation to talk about that they're on earth and whoa and all this other shit. Then, they're, then they said, ha, oh, it's the reveal. Oh, I get it. And what is the last syllable? Bone. What is it? It's the bones of the hand. They, they lift you up with a handshake, three different ones. The third one is the one that actually lifts them up. Then after that, they point to five points on the body, which is what? The five points of the hand. <laughs> then they give you a secret password. It's just ma-ha-bone. What is it? It's to say, oh, oh, shit. Oh, I get it. Oh, the pattern, the organization. The ten emanations of God, Kabbalah, is literally right in front of me. Mahabon. And, it's a, and what is it? It's a substitute for what? Pi. Okay. Count your phalanges, ladies and gentlemen. What is it? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And then what do they end on? 13 and 14. The very place what? You undergo puberty and the very place that pi is encoded in the number line. See what's going on here? You see what happens when we just throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, nah, it doesn't matter. None of this is important. None of it's important. Okay. You're, you're incorrect, but that's fine. Now let's talk about the oaths. The oaths and penalties of a mason. Wait, wait, what did he do there? Why did he knock three times? Why three? Well, if you're following along on the Nostalgia again, Lord Jesus Christ, we could talk about three for years. Trinitarian, you know, trinities across the world, you know, the, the, the aspects of time, past, present, and future, the fact that the first geometry that you can create is what a triangle in two-dimensional space, which is what three? Three becoming one, in fact. Um, unbelievable. It's like there's a correlate to geometry. There is. So why did they knock three times? Do you think Kyle is undercover? Do you think he even gives it any thought at all? No. He's just like, I'm going to expose them Masons. It's fucking dumb. I'm sorry. My wife's laughing in the background because we've dealt with this so much. At some point, it's just laughable. It's just like, are you? Okay, whatever. I'm, I'm just going to rant now. So. <laughs> So basically, what is he saying? Oh, you've gone stage one, stage two, and now you're seeking true light. You want, like, you've shown that you're a good man and that you want to be a better man. And you want to be a man of God that expresses truth and love and beauty and understanding, does his due diligence and research, his cares for his community, is charitable, 
That's what masonry is all about. And you can actually see that play out. With, and you go to your local masons and stuff like that and talk to them. Like I said, the last two masons I talked to, they were at the, the, um, the farmer's market and they were doing charity work. And I talked to them and they were really good guys. I spoke to them for probably like 10 minutes. We just shot, we just, we literally just shot the shit. By being raised as a blind as a mason. Is this of your own free will in accord? Yes. No one's forcing you to do anything. Is this of your own free will in accord? What is that a reference to? Autodidactic learning. Autodidactic learning. It's basically saying, oh, you're going to show me something? Nah, I don't, I don't trust you. Oh, the earth is a globe. Nah. I got I to see this shit for myself. I, I want to look in. I want to make sure that whatever it is I'm researching, I want the truth and I'm going to see it with my own two eyes. That's what the free will and accord is. Masonry will also tell you that all of masonry is an autodidactic study. People think that the, you know, they have this assumption that you go into masonry and then you get to the certain levels and then they give you information. And none of that's true. None of it's true. No, everything that you learn in masonry, literally top to bottom, is all up to you. It's all up to you. You might have brothers in there that might help you out along the way or like, hey, you should read this stuff or this guy's a good author or check this out, that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, and masons will tell you this, it's all on your shoulders, which is the way it should be. Okay, so now they're saying, hey, you're, we're going to undergo this ceremony and you're not going to tell anybody about it. You're not going to give it any way the, the secrets of Freemasonry. Now people think, this, ah, this is the Satanism, this is what it comes in. But as we already know, what was the, what was the, um, the initiation of um, the Hiram Abif, the, that whole ritual? It was literally about how Jews <laughs> came in and were trying to take sacred knowledge so that they could use it against humanity. Do you know why we did the live stream several live streams ago about talking about, hey, you're a magician whether you like it or not. You are doing magic whether you like it or not, right? The reason that they are trying to hide knowledge from people is that they know these people are black magicians, that they know that the things that they do are vile and wicked. And so therefore you're taking an oath to make sure that, hey, any, anybody that, you know, to, to protect, this is really what it is, to protect and be custodians of ancient divine wisdom so it does not fall into the wrong hands. This is what the entire theatrics is about, the entire thing, okay? Now we say, well, what about oaths and things like that? Okay, it says in the Bible you're not supposed to take oaths. No, you always take an oath to God. This is actually what masonry is. Masonry has its decalogue which its law is to its initiates. There are ten, ten, 10 commandments. Number one is God is the eternal, omnipotent, immutable wisdom and supreme intelligence and exhaustive love, exhaustless love. Thou shall adore, revere, and love him. Thou shall honor him by practicing the virtues. You actually, no one in the Masonic Lodge is taking an oath and worshiping the master mason. If you think that, once again, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean to be so crude or anything, but that's retarded. It's retarded. No one's there worshiping the master mason. Why are they called a master? Just because it's the same thing as calling a master mason, like literally a mason, brick, little, brick builder. How about a master architect? You ever have anybody work on a building that's a master architect? How about a master electrician? 
Do you see what I'm saying? Master carpenter. We had a master carpenter came, that literally is a master carpenter that came in and helped us build our rabbitry. At no point was I was like, oh, Chuck, you're a god. It's so silly. It's, it's, it's literally to the point that people that are making those claims, it, it literally is born from nothing except what? Conspiracy theory. It's what it is. Conspiracy theory. So you take an oath when you take office. You take an oath when you get married. Is that against the... No. You take an oath when you join Boy Scouts. You take an oath when you become a doctor. But Masons take oath, and next thing you know, it's satanic. Does that make any sense? No. Why are they taking the oath? Why are they doing this? Same reason that Jesus um, told us. Same reason that Jesus kept secrets and only told his initiates. Because he realized that there were people that were unworthy. How many times did you see, have we covered in the New Testament, where the scribes and the Pharisees, whoever it was, were coming to, uh, you know, literally, um, you know, uh, attack Jesus or try to trick him in his words and stuff like that? And what did he do? What did Jesus do? He, he, he gave him a line of bullshit. He, you know, that, and that sort of thing. And that's exactly what we read from. He, he literally deceived them because they were not worthy. Then Jesus says in Matthew 13, he answered and said to them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. He has literally given his mysteries, the mysteries of the king, divine wisdom to initiates, his disciples who earned it, because he wasn't going to give it, just go give it away to people that were not going to do the internal spiritual work. That's what this whole thing is about. This is also Jesus on the secrets, right? This is masonry. It says, there's a proneness in the human heart, which always existed to clothe the most sacred subjects with the veil of mystery. Why? Why are these secret, these subjects veiled in mystery? Because it takes a person who is inquisitive to entice them. What's going on in here? Go find out. Why, what are they, why are they doing that? Ask questions and actually do some research and go find out. Or be, it, be ignorant and be an idiot. It's your choice. It's all up to you. Do you do this on your own free will and accord? Yes, I am an idiot on my own free will and accord. Yes, Masons, no. A proneness in the human heart, which has always existed to clothe the most sacred subjects with the veil of mystery. It is this spirit that caused Jesus to speak to the Jewish multitudes in parables whose meeting his disciples like initiates were to comprehend, but which would be unintelligible to the people so that seeing they may see not and hearing they might not understand. Just like you could show this as, it, as you see online right now, hundreds of thousands of people, you're showing this to them. And then what do they say? I don't even want to understand, but not only that, it's faggotry. Same thing Jesus was dealing with. Mysteries and Freemasonry were both secret societies, not necessarily because one was the legitimate successor of the other, but because both were human institutions and because both partook of the same human tendency to conceal what was sacred from the unhallowed eyes and ears of the profane. And that's exactly what the story of Hiram Abiff is about. Matthew 7, 6. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. <laughs> As I say dogs, look at this. It's all synchronicity. The dogs try to get out. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. I need to say million dollars and then maybe a million dollars. <laughs> Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Neither cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Rend you. Attack you. Get it? Jesus also said, tell no one. Keep a secret, Jesus said repeatedly. Why? Because he was surrounded by scribes and Pharisees that wanted to put him on a cross and hang his ass. And of course, what, what do we know? When you talk about circumambulation, what is Jesus? He's a representation, at least one symbolic representation of the sun. What does the sun do every, every day? It circumambulates around our flat stationary plane. And he charged them that they should tell no man. Don't tell anybody. Nor tell it to anyone in the town. Shut your mouth. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him, Jesus said. 
And as they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what the things that they had seen. Keep it, keep it quiet. Keep it secret. Why? Because he was trying to conceal knowledge. No, no, no. You conceal it so that you, you don't conceal it, you don't reveal it so that it will be revealed and concealed to the people that actually go in and ask the questions. The actual initiates and actual disciples. This is Albert Pike. And this is, I always use this one because this is the one quote that is pulled out of uh, uh, morals and dogma to like make the claim that Albert Pike is a Satanist. Masonry, comma, like all the religions, just as we teach, just as we talk about, we honor all the great traditions of this world. Gnostic Academy does. Why? Because we see the commonalities and the golden thread that exists within all of them, right? All of these religions, including Christianity, literally hide mysteries for the express. And sometimes even, even um, just as we saw with some of those brothers, they even fuck with you and try to misguide you. Why? Because they want to make sure that you are 110% dedicated to actual truth, actual morality, actual love, and actual understanding. Once again, as I've said, when you go, and this, is ha this happened to me, and I know this has happened to a bunch of guys that have worked in construction crews and stuff like that, you'll get fucked with. They'll fuck with you. It's, I, I've experienced this directly numerous times, right? So this is all they're doing. Like masonry, like all the religions, including Christianity, the mysteries, hermeticism, and alchemy, conceals its secrets from all except the adepts and sages or the elect, and uses false explanations and misinterpretations of its symbols to mislead those who deserve only to be misled, to conceal the truth which it calls light. What do you think Hiram Abiff was doing? He was misleading. He, to his death, he was misleading vile creatures who had no intention of actually helping humanity. This is the most noble thing he could have done. Jesus is saying the same thing. <clears throat> um, we don't need to go into that. Uh, we won't go into that. We'll, we'll just keep going. Okay, let's keep watching. To any person, to any person, under the canopy of heaven, under the canopy of heaven, except it be, except it be, to a true and lawful brother of this degree, to a true and lawful brother of this degree, or within the body, or within the body, of a just, of a just and legally constituted lot, and legally constituted lot, of masterpieces, of masterpieces, and neither unto him nor them, and neither unto him nor them, go after strict trial, go after strict trial, do examination, do examination, or lawful information, or lawful remorse, so they're making uh notice they said globe there it's like say let's see the globers Glob no, 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 my, my lord like i said this institution has suffered like just like all institutions just like christianity you look at catholicism and most of the people in the that like even the bishops or priests or whatever what are they gonna do believe in a globe yet if you actually read your bible what is it, it doesn't say it's a globe right so the same exactly what i've said and exact literally i've said this for years that all of these institutions have, have in this sort of sense uh, have been um they've lost their the spiritual potency is what it is but what is the oath that he's taken there he's literally saying that hey no matter what, like if a if a brother Mason, if something happens to him, I am going to be there for him. If he's if he's got if he dies and he's widowed, he's got orphans, he's like I am going to be there for him. I'm taking an oath to make sure that I will be there for my fellow brothers. I think we need to do that one another with with actual brothers in this world. Like in in the sense, this is one of the reasons I'm starting this church, and and this and this is why I said raising the bar with people, because I want to make sure that it's like, hey, if if something happens to my family, you'd be there for me, and if something happened to your family, I'd be there for you. This is what they're doing in that lodge, but it's gay, 
Losers. Murder and treason accepted. You keep the secrets in this lodge, right? Which is what's again when we talk about how noble that actually is for the express reason not to give it to evil people. And then you're taking an oath and you're saying, "Oh, you keep this oath with Masons unless it's treason or murder. Then we're going to expose your ass." This is literally what the oath that they're taking. Now people think that they go in there and they murder people and it's all treason. It's the exact opposite. Though every single one of those Masons, if that Mason came to him and said, "I just murdered this person," it wouldn't be like, "Oh, we're going to keep the secret in the lodge." No, if, if it's, once again, if it's just Masons and things like that, people are sinners in this sort of sense. So it doesn't even matter what organization or institution you talk about. The fact you can get corrupt people, corrupt people going to Masonry, corrupt people going to everything, you know, name, name your institution or organization and you're going to find corruption in it nowadays, right? So, but that's what a master, that's what a Mason should do. That's what his, that is what he is called to do. That's what his oath is to do, which is unbelievably noble. So don't uh, fuck your brother's daughters and his wife. Pretty, oh, oh God, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> So, my body severed in twain. Now, do they, do they actually think there's any Masons that are cutting people in half? No, this is obviously symbolic language, like all of it. Oh, there was a de- the, the guy suffered a death. Oh, what do they mean by that? And then you see exactly what they mean. No, it's a spiritual death and rebirth. So when they talk about, hey, cutting in twain, and then they say, oh, they're going to rip your, the bowels are removed. What does this mean? Well, once again, you got to go to the Zodiac, man. You have to understand mysticism to understand the deep symbolism here. The bowels removed is what? The impurities, right? That's what that's what the Virgo, the Virgin is. It's your bowels. It's the Virgin. So it's literally talking about all of this symbolism to what? Virginity, purity, purif- purifying that vessel. That's exactly what it is. So basically, all of this is symbolic language to talk about what? The ashes that are going to be scattered, like if you, in this sort of sense, if you go against your brothers, if you do the most immoral act and you're, that sort of thing, and you, um, you know, you break your oath, that sort of thing, then they give you the symbolic language of you'll be cast to ashes and cast to the four, you know, corners of the earth, the winds, that sort of thing. What is this? This is a direct reference to exactly what we were talking about earlier, about what? This the phoenix cycle. What happens? The ashes and the phoenix rises. And it even we even covered in the Bible where it said it was like oh the the trumpet is going to be heard from the you know the the angels are going to go to the four sections of heaven and that sort of thing right so this is a whole thing basically saying that hey if you go against your um, your oath right that you you've taken an oath to protect and defend your brothers and that sort of thing if you break that 
you're not going to be that phoenix that, that, that rises. You're not going to be the resurrected because you went against the very thing, this, this, um, this institution, which is literally there to pass on divine knowledge. And by the way, it's worked. It's worked. Why? Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ is proof in the pudding that it works. Protect your hands, symbolism of the hands, then you bow your Aries, and then it says this, a token of your sincerity, kiss the Holy Bible, and then in, in, in parentheses, he says Jewish Talmud. That's what Kyle is undercover put in parentheses there. That's not the Jewish Talmud. This is how bad this guy's research is. This is how, this is how bad, quote-unquote, truthers, biases are when they come to this stuff. They, they have to see it through a conspiracy theory lens, period. So whatever it is, it's got to be evil. It's got to be wicked. It's got to be Satanism. It's got to be b- b- worshiping the goat. No, that's not the Jewish Talmud. That's the Holy Bible. And, and as you saw, in some of those, in some of those Masonic lodges, they, and, and this is promoted in most Masonic lodges, faith, hope, and charity, which is something that is New Testament. It's the three theological virtues found in the New Testament. So this guy, this Kyle is undercover, is a jackass, is what he is. It's not the Jewish Talmud. No, it's the Bible. So with your sincerity, kiss the Holy Bible. That's what he does here. Okay. Where is the graphic? Oh my lord. I don't kiss the Bible. There we go. What is he doing here? He's used, he's taking his mouth and kissing holy scripture. Once again, this is all symbolic. What is the mouth? It's pie. Pay is usually assumed to come from the pictogram of a mouth. In Hebrew, pay, Arabic, you know, this this is pie. Pay is pie. And it's symbolic of your mouth. The very thing that when God opened up and said, let there be light, out came the, the light and the truth and all of that sort of stuff. You're, this, is what the whole, this is what the gospel represents. And what do you do? You're symbolically kissing it. You're bringing your pie down to the gospel. Notice what's put right in front of the, the and they, he'll hand it to you. He'll hand it to him. See the compasses and square there? So now they say the, ca- the cable toe. And this is, this is another one of these things that obviously it's symbolic. And I'll show you what the symbolism of is. Uh, and so people are like, oh, they put, a t- they put the cable toe used to be around your neck. And so then they, the, these brothers would lead you around. And what is this symbolic of? It's no different than symbolic of, of, uh, of, 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 of a father or whatever that's um, raising his child up and has to teach in the child. It's no different than an a, a initiate carpenter that doesn't know shit, that goes on the job, and guess what? He has to be the understudy of the master carpenter so that he won't screw up the building and then people will die, right? You have to take, take this child in this sort of sense by the reins, okay? You have to lead them. This is what it's symbolic of. Okay, so this is the cable toe originally, it's originally wore around the neck. And once again, I think there's been watering down of masonry. Uh, and so now they put it around the waist or something. I, I don't know. You'll have to ask a mason about that. But 
Cable literally means what? Large, strong rope or chain used on a ship. What is the ship? It's you. It's the vessel. It's the vessel that's carrying God Almighty within him, the divine spark that you're to raise up and send home to heaven. The lasso, the rope, the halter for cattle, right? Oh, they see you as cattle. Oh, they see you as cattle. See? Proof. Blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. No, no, no. This is, oh, wait. The cable, the tor, this is, I didn't make the graphic. Sorry. What is the, what is the, it's around your neck. What is your neck in the Zodiac man? What is your, what, it's, it's Taurus. It's Taurus. It's literally cattle. So they, 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 right, remove the bowels, which is what? It's a symbol to what? The virgin purity, which is literally the virgin. Then they go up and what? You're at the neck. And what is it? It's Taurus. It's called the cable toe. Toe, T-O-W, is like toe pole or along with chain or rope or toe bar, right? That sort of thing. That's what toe means. It's the exact same phonetics as what? Toe, which is any of the five digits at the end of the foot. So in other words, it's yet again a reference to what? The zodiac man as well as what? Literally the math of your hands. The mahabone? You mean the master grip of a mason that has pie that's lifting you up and raising you from your atavistic, animalistic, dark state? The cable toe symbolizes the individual's progress of initiation into the mysteries of Freemasonry by becoming bound to the brotherhood. That's a noble and honorable thing. Control, obedience, direction, or guidance. These are the three meanings of the cable toe as interpreted by the best insights of the craft. So once again, if we just go to masonry and say, well, what does this actually mean? If we don't go to masonry, we just want to be conspiracy theorists, then we'll come up with all sorts of wild, crazy ideas and notions and things like that. If we actually just go and actually listen to what they actually say and take it seriously, we'll find out that, hey, everything they're saying is true. So the first thing they do, so what, what do they do? They, they take the blindfolds off, okay? So this is, of course, this is ancient, you know, depictions of this, and this is the, you know, the, the, the blindfolds that they put on. And, of course, they're blindfolded throughout a lot of this time, right? And then they, they lift them off, and they, it's literally from darkness into light, which means what? Which is exactly what a rites of passage does. It's, it's literally, it doesn't matter if you go to, once again, all the way to Australia and the aboriginals down there, or if you go up into the Mongolian people and find out their rites of passage, do you know what the common theme will be? Darkness into light, from the child to the adult, from the little boy to the man, from a lost little sheep to the shepherd of Christ, if you will, from darkness to light. That's the symbolism of it. It's once again a very beautiful thing because that's what your soul is going to have to undergo. It doesn't matter if you like it or not. At some point, your soul is going to have to undergo this process of turning from darkness into light. And that's what the whole thing is. Now observe your function of 
This teaching that you're about to receive, which is symbolized by the compasses and square, is now going to be conferred upon you. Now, at no point, and this is undercover, so there's no lying here. At no point do these guys actually have some knowledge and they're giving the secrets away. No, there's nothing like that. Nothing at all. They're just saying, hey, this is all the light which can be conferred upon you, and all of that light is symbolized by this compasses and square. Well, and we'll get into what the compasses and square mean. Of course, I think we, we know. We've talked about this numerous times. Well, here's the, the, heavenly, the heavenly compass. The gods circumscribe the earth with a compass and this sort of stuff, right? Illustrations of this. It's literally symbols of heaven and earth, as we know. Heaven is a circle, earth is a square, found around the world, not just stuck in masonry. Masonry is just one of those custodians of this ancient knowledge that's literally found around the world. We've actually went into native tribes and, and shown that some of, these, some of these mounds, we've actually even shown this. It's on my Instagram account, stuff like that. We're squared circles. Facts. Facts. So the last thing that this guy gets after he removes his, his um, after they remove his blindfolds and now he can see is the compasses and square. And I did masturbations. And try not to lose sight of this valuable instrument by which we are taught to circumscribe our desires. Circumscribe our desires. Keep ourselves in due bounds. Not let ourselves get wild and outlandish. Make sure that we're constantly in morality and ethics and truth and light. That's what it's supposed to be. That doesn't mean that just because Masons undergo this ritual, that means that's, that's what they are. That has Honestly, that's up to the person. Just like just because somebody goes undergoes a baptism doesn't mean they're actually in the light of Christ. They might be a total dickbag, you know. But that's what it's supposed to be, and that's what it's supposed to be there for. And so that's basically that. So we actually see, um, let's do this. Do I have this? The, oh, the, the three, the, this is the three great lights in masonry, right? The compasses and square and the Holy Bible. What does, the whole, what does this compasses and square, what have we seen? I don't have the graphics, sorry. What have we seen this compasses and square in codes that, once again, no one's talking about, at least, except for this church? And it's all verifiable mathematics. What is that compasses and square, the main symbol of the insignia and code? Literally our cosmology, literally how we experience our cosmology, the metaphysical and the physical. It encodes the path of the sun. It encodes the degree of phylotaxis. It encodes the septenary cipher. It encodes the philosophical adage of as above and so below, which is found once again around the world. It's, it's, it's encoding the basics of geometry, which is, a, which is absolutely a supernatural and metaphysical medium. Mathematics is. There's no physical number seven or number two anywhere. That means it's metaphysical. All of this stuff is encoded in this symbol. Literally the, literally the cipher in which to understand that the Bible is a cryptic, encoded, symbolic document is found within the Freemasonic compasses and square. You can't possibly understand the Bible unless you understand masonry. What do I mean? Jesus is known as this, is the, is the uh, cornerstone. He's the cornerstone. What do you think that means? You, couldn't, you can't understand that unless you understand masonry. And that's why they say the compasses and the square is the three great lights. The compasses and the square and the Holy Bible, the three great lights in masonry. Not the Jewish Talmud. No. Compasses and square encodes squaring the circle. The mystical mathematical art that actually points you directly to what? Pi. 
So after all of this, what what is all of what is all this? So this candidate takes off from the darkness into the light. What do Masons say this is all about? Once again, let's just go to the source. Let's just ask them and then and, and see if they're maybe they're just all a bunch of liars or maybe they're just telling the truth. As we've seen the last two and a half hours, they are. Being made a Mason symbolizes, oh, would you shut him off? My Lord, why are you listening to Marty Leeds? Anyway, being made a Mason symbolizes the birth of Christ within. Amen. And before anyone can attain to this mystical rebirth, he must have progressed some way along the road of evolution, have gained certain experiences, and learned certain lessons. In, or, in order for you to understand the complexities and, and the, you know, the, the spiritual potency and the mystical import of all this other stuff, you have to have certain experiences. This is why, once again, it, this, is, uh, this church is not for boys. This church is not for children. Because you're, there's no way children are going to understand this shit unless they've had some adult experience. This is what masonry is. Think again of the password, free and of good report. In the earliest stages, man is bound in materialism. Earthly things satisfy him. And as he's ruled by his physical passions, he's ruled by that, that Scorpio down there, constantly stinging. The candidate for masonry has begun to desire more than the material. He desires the spiritual growth and knowledge and so has become free. He's not shackled anymore to, in the sort of sense, he's keeping, he's circumscribing his desires. He's no longer shackled to those physical passions and physical things and, you know, that sort of thing. He wants more in life. That's, that's what I did. Finally, I think this is the Andersonian view of masonry. Finally, he explains the allegory of the third degree, the master mason, as directly referring to Christ. In the following words, the great father of all, commiserating the miseries of the world, sent his only son, who was in his innocence itself, to teach the doctrine of salvation by whom man was raised. From the death of sin unto the life of righteousness. You don't have to be couched in Christian ideologies and terms to recognize that, hey, we're all kind of fuck-ups and we got to kind of clean our shit up, right? That's sin and salvation. The native tribes understood the eternal life, the doctrine of eternal life, all of that sort of stuff, right? Um, by whom man was raised from the death unto the sin of righteousness, uh, unto the life, uh, unto the death of sin, unto the life of righteousness, from the tomb of corruption, unto the chambers of hope, from the darkness of despair to the celestial beams of faith. Amen. And finally, that there may be no doubt of his theory that the third degree was altogether Christian in its origin and design. And he literally kissed the Holy Bible under a thing that says. Faith, hope, and charity. Thus, the master mason represents a man under the Christian doctrine, saved from the grave of iniquity, immorality, and raised to the faith of salvation. As the great testimonial that we are risen from the state of corruption, we bear the emblem of the Holy Trinity as the insignia of our vows and the origins of the master's order. You take off those blindfolds and you see light and everything comes new. You're no longer going around trying to stick your penis in everything and care for material possessions and desires and money and fame and red carpet. You don't care about any of that shit. You care about light, truth, beauty, righteousness, virtue, and spreading it to humanity. And that is your course in life, and that's what Freemasonry is about. And you know why, you know why a lot of these truthers don't understand it? Because they're not actually doing that. Therefore, if any man, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And when those old things pass away and all things become new, you get your wings and you get to fly up to heaven because you're a good bird. Okay? And that's how it's done here at the Gnostic Church. That's how we do it, son. Okay? You can become a good bird. Thank you all very much for today. I know it was a long live stream. I know we're going three hours here, but I was covering this. Because I had to. I just had to. I was being inundated by it, and I was like, no, we're setting the record straight to any of the, any of the people that actually have ears to hear and want to hear it. There's lots of people that can be like, yeah, Marty, you fag. Nah, nah, nah. I don't care. It doesn't matter. 
doesn't matter. We're just going to march ahead in truth and beauty and righteousness and actually do our due diligence and research. And we're going to honor things that need to be honored and hold things in sacred and respect that should be held with sacredness and respect. And if you want to go on this journey with us and fly with this flock, you can become a good bird too. You can become a good bird that subscribes to her. You can become a phoenix bird and a killer bird, sickness bird, or you can become Tom and the Piedmont bird. That's right, Tommy. All right, so um, thank you guys once again. Uh, snail mail, if you'd like to send anything, Gnostic Academy, 7781 County Road, 3440 Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. And of course, um, uh, PayPal, Venmo, buy me a coffee, cash app, subscribe star, that sort of stuff. We are streaming too. Are we streaming Rumble today? Oh, amazing, we did. Rumble, Rockfin, YouTube, and you can get the podcast, Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Music, Audible, and thank you to Content Safe for getting us on BitChute and Odyssey. Thank you, Content Safe. We appreciate you. Also, you can get this Sunday sermon at the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. You should get the app. You can find your friends on the app, and then you can learn about our flat stationary plane that we're being lied to about. And so you can get the app. It's a good buy. Uh, also, the church store, if you'd like to support um, you know, books, rosaries, that sort of stuff. We provide lots of educational material on these topics so that you can straighten your mind on these things and not be lost in ignorance. Okay? Okay. Um, and I think we have some thank yous. I do want to thank... Um, First and foremost, I want to thank Whiskey. Whiskey, if you're out there and listening, we love you so much. We miss you in the chat. But that's our, our right. We understand. And she sent... What's that? She was in the chat today. No, I mean in Telegram. Anyway, we love you. She sent us this wonderful package. And um, when we get up and running, we'll have to do a day where we just open up these packages and stuff like that for the audience. Because it was really sweet. It made me cry. It made me cry. Because it was just so nice. And... Um, we really appreciate the support. So thank you so much, Whiskey. And we also want to thank Chuck. Chuck is the original good bard. And Chuck, and we forgot to thank him the last two times. Anyway, so Chuck came out, out over from Hawaii just to help us for a couple days build a rabbit tree and just uh, fix our door and just help us with some things around, around the old homestead here. And so we really appreciate it. Chuck, you're the man. Thank you so much. Really appreciate you. And we're going to stay at your place and bum when we come to Hawaii next. So Nils Albaum, thank you so much. Paul D, Interverse, thank you so much. Mr. Chance, Roland Peter, um, and of course, Whiskey, um, card and package, thank you so much. Joshua Weber, 3333, thank you so much. Julie Pradal, thank you as well. We received your card, it was wonderful. We love you very much. Thank you for your, um, thank you for your donation and everything. Andrew Sutherland says, another dose of awesomeness. I've always loved the Matthew gospel, but your work makes it alive and present as Christ must be in us. Thank you and sans per, by the way, sans per, no fear. Sutherland clan motto, okay, thank you. Angie Abel, thank you so much. Robert Questenberry, Anna Medina, good to see you again. David Weiss, the good stuff, featuring the ultimate litmus test on Thanksgiving. Yes, that's right. That was featured on the Flat Earth Sun, Moon, and Zodiac yeah, Cab. Awesome. Uh, Lawrence J. Latempio, thank you guys for your time and commitment. Peaceably assembled. That's right. William Christie, 25, another stellar sermon. That's what we do here. Thank you, brother and sister. Thank you. Teague Mackin, always good to see you. Best church ever. Yes, that is kind of a best church ever thing. That's not a cocky thing. It's just a joke. I think J.M. Grassi made the joke, but we we're just sticking with it because it's funny. So, okay. And this week, what do we have this week? This Oh, thank you so much. Um, someone bought five copies. Thank you, someone. Thanks. Happy Thanksgiving. Congrats on the yurt. Steven and Karen, two copies. We feel we have found our path and you know when something just feel right. feels right. This church does. Yes. Uh, thank you so much. Angela, Angela Morris sent $108 the other day. Thank you so much, Angela Morris. Alan Woodward. Janine M. Grassi, Daniel Hager, Alicia Crawford, Jean Vina, Ray B. Thank you so much. Great. Virginia Dare, 444, I got you back. Awesome. Venmo, uh, Garrett Rudolph, been busy with homesteading and work all summer long, so I haven't been able to catch. I don't want to hear your stuff. Get out of here. 
So I haven't been able to catch the lives every Sunday, but slowly catching up. Really appreciate the work you're doing. Keep it up, man. We're keeping it up. Robert Questenberry, once again, thank you so much. Jennifer McLaughlin, 3377. Thank you. Blessings to you and Jen. Alex Meter. Uh, 4130, thanks for spreading truth and the good word. And Anna Medina, once again, thank you so much. Jeremy Hines, thank you so much. Leah Steele and Eugene Jacques, thank you so much. Andrew Masonette, hope to make it out and visit the physical church when you get it up and running. That is going to happen. Okay, thank you so much to all the people that do support. We really appreciate um, everything that allows us to keep going. Uh, we're going to do, um, actually, we're going to end this baby, and then we're going to listen to a song. May you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord. Jesus Christ, onto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. We're going to listen to a Trey Anastasio song from, I think, his self-titled record. And it's called, It's Not a Flock of Good Bards, It's a Flock of Words. Since we're talking about the Masonic word, this is a really beautiful song. It's called Flock of Words, and we're going to listen to it. So, okay, that's going to do it. I get, we will see you guys next Sunday. I think we're either going to do uh, one called either, and this is totally a joke title, by the way, but get in, we're starting a cult. <laughs> And then there's the other one is called, um, what is it called? Honor Thy Father, The 12, Ste 12 Steps to Manhood, I think is we're going to call that. It's either that or we're going to go into the next chapter, which I think is chapter 25 in Matthew. So a lot of things on the docket, lots of things coming up, so we really appreciate it. Okay, that's going to do it, guys. Have a wonderful Sunday. Have a wonderful week, and we really appreciate all the support, okay? That's going to do it for us. Guys, thank you so much. We will see you on the flip side. Um, as always. Many blessings and much love to all.
inside your flock of words something